Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys so much for being back with us here for episode 225 here on Monday, May the 31st, Memorial Day 2021. We're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata. That guy right there, Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Howdy, did he May the 31st be with you? Yeah, it's the last I, time you get to say that until next year. It's in there. We made it through May. That's all the May. That's be all with the May there is. Yeah. And may you guys have a good time with us as we romp through the world of retro wrestling. Maybe you're off today having a three-day weekend. One way or another, we thank you for being with us. We do have some good topics in store for you, we think, we hope. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you want the daily wrestling clips, daily clips with no drama, that is, you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is <laughs> vppodcast at gmail.com. But Michael, yes. if people want to talk to you, Do to they? me, they might. I don't know. And a thousand or so retro wrestling fanatics, where can they go? Facebook.com slash friends. The <laughs> yeah. great site with many friends. Many friends, including us. We're on there. Yeah. We're yeah. on that site. Oh, we're there. How do you get to the site, though? Well, there's a search bar. You type our vantage point, death, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tubes, gore, kafloey. And you're in. You hit the join group. That's and it. And that's all you got to do. That's all you have to do. And the only thing you're agreeing to when you join that group is don't be what? Don't be a dunderhead. Don't be a we dunderhead. We don't do that over there. It just means don't be a big meanie. Right. Don't be a heel. It's not okay. We don't need that. We really don't. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's for friends. Yeah, it's for the friends that want to talk. That's why it's slash friends. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to just have a good time talking about old wrestling, you do that on our Facebook group. Just join the group. It'll be a good time. We have friendly community there. Say hi to Chuck Mess on your way in. Right. And uh, just because it is the day before Patreon rolls over, I want to remind you guys, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You can get all of our WWF pay-per-view reviews coming up extremely soon is WrestleMania 9. There's a lot of anticipation for that one. I think because they want to see how mad you're going to get, Quinn. It's a bad show. And, um, oh, yeah, I mean, there's, fun. To- there's togas. There are togas. That's there's right. To- so you can join that toga party on patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Get every WWF pay-per-view review. And they give you one little hint. If you're one of those people that's been listening a while, maybe you're on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. Today's May 31st, right? So if you sign up tomorrow... You won't even get charged until July first. Get a free. It's essentially uh, like, yeah, review. Yeah, all of June you get. So this is the greatest time to catch it. So why don't you try that tomorrow? Okay, I'm actually encouraging you to wait one day. Mm-hmm. Sign up tomorrow. Patreon.com/slash OVP Podcast. And that is it. All the plugs are out of the way, and we have a game show to conduct here. Quinn, oh, remember? Right. Yes. We are game show hosts. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we're doing um, this season. That's how we operate over here. That's what we're operating now. This segment that we've been doing this season is where we ask you, the fans, to give us an opinion on retro wrestling that you really do believe and you end it with change my mind and we've talked about a lot of different things this season so far last week was the survivor series matches oh boy that was fun uh but this time around we're gonna see if we can change your mind. 
Welcome back to Change Your Mind, where Quinn and I are going to see if we can change your mind about something from wrestling's past. We have a brand new contestant this week, Quinn, joining the fray, joining the fracas, if you will. Who is it? Bring him in. Bring him in? Okay. Hello? Hi. Oh, there he is. It's Paul Soter. Suter? Soter. Yes. Yeah, he just ran down the stairs. It's too hot up here. <laughs> He's out of here already. So anyway, Paul... What Paul? Hi, I'm Paul. Yeah, <laughs> he, he slipped us a note. Don't yeah. worry. It said, "Hi, I'm Paul." On it. Hi, I'm Paul. And what Paul wants to uh, have us change his mind about Quinn? Here you go. You ready? Everyone ready? Let's do it. Oh boy, Montreal with Bret Hart was a work. Change my mind. No, God, please, no, no. No, it, it wasn't. We're really doing this, huh, Paul? Well, people, people, <laughs> there are people have ideas and it's not just him obviously there's people on our group that i know believe this there's wrestlers that propound this I feel like you should play the unsolved mysteries music or something <laughs> like oh i'm robert stein yeah he's like standing in a control room or whatever <laughs> so on the night of whatever on the night of november 9th 1997 all right yeah. so all right we've talked about this probably a few years ago uh, on the case. We were on the case about it. We did go on a case. And the conclusion we came to was, no, it's not a work. And Quinn, what's your short reason for why this isn't a work? Because there's just too many things. Like, honestly, would he really legitimately spit on him on the air? Like, just simple little things like that. It's the tiny details that matter to me. I think there's tiny details, and I also think there's big reasons why. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, we're not going to run down what Montreal is. You guys that are listening, I am almost positive all of you know what the Montreal Screwjob is. They've heard of it. I think you've heard of it. And if you don't, just look up Montreal Screwjob. Just watch Survivor Series 1997. (laughs) It's a great match until the end. It is, actually. The main event there. Sean, you were in on that? Now, I want to talk about why people might think that, first okay. of all. Sure. The core reason to me is because wrestling is a work. Right? Yeah, the, <laughs> right? that's the core reason. So, the, the other reason is wrestling fans always think they're smarter than the thing. That would be yeah. another really good reason. I am back today to, this is my third video. Uh, on the Peacock WWE uh, Network. So obviously, all of wrestling, for the most part, is a work. Everything you're seeing really isn't real. Throughout, what, the last hundred years or more, Mm -hmm. the guys aren't really mad at each other. They're not really hurting each other. They're not really fighting each other. And then to top it all off, you have promoters are not exactly known as the most scrupulous people. Yeah, no shit. I got news for them. When you know that everything's fake, it's very obvious when something's real. Yes. Right, because it doesn't look scripted. It looks like something, what the fuck, like something got fucked up or something. Right. Like like nowadays, like, for example, like a botch is technically, you know, real. It's real, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not it, supposed it, it, to It's happen. breaking the, the, the suspension, the, the illusion whatever, yeah. there, that kind of thing, or like an actual injury. Right. And you don't say like, oh, that injury's a work. Right. When a guy's leg splits in half, like <laughs> Sid or whatever. Right. You know? Now, this happened almost 24 years ago, right? Right. Right. Here's my biggest thing. At what point, if it was a work, are they going to finally pay it off? No one even cares anymore. Right. Bret Hart dedicated thousands of words to this in print, Mm -hmm. in interviews, was notably and noticeably bitter and pissed off at Vince McMahon for eight years before they reconciled, right? Right. At Shawn Michaels for almost 13 years before they reconciled. Earl Hebner. At Earl Hebner for a while, right? And for years, and even now, like, even though Brett, like, went on, he's like, you know, Shawn Michaels, I buried the hatchet and all that stuff. 
Even now, Brett still gets like very touchy about it when it's brought up. Yes. Even now. Even now. What what benefit is there if it was planned, right? And if if Uh let, let me roll this back. The idea that it was planned would be, I suppose, Quinn, a clever way for Vince to generate interest. Let's just make believe it's a work, right? Okay. To generate interest in this product, which did happen, right? Yes. Retrospectively. To like light a fire under the WWF. Yes. To get Bret Hart a cushy deal with WCW. And Vince knew that they were going to misuse him anyway, right? And Bret probably <laughs> knew that. So I guess like that would be the motivation, right? Like, Yeah, but it, you're also like, you're also taking into account other things. Like Bret was the designated torpedo for wcw and stuff like that like right like it's a big conspiracy yeah like there's a lot more like the minute you start saying it's a work then you start implying that other things are going on like another guy got hired by a company for like millions of dollars just to fuck them over secretly or something that's like have you ever heard of like a an actual legitimate fucking company that you know is publicly traded or you know not even publicly traded just like has to follow the fucking rules to do business (laughs) where they they got an employee to get hired by their competition so that they could like sabotage their business like right. secretly. When, right. when does that ever fucking happen? I'm sure it's it's a very romantic tale to explore, yeah. but I don't think it's ever happened. And if it has, I don't think it happened in this case anyway. Right. But here's the other thing, right? If that really was the case, and Vince McMahon is such a genius, Quinn, that he engineered this whole thing, why wouldn't he have at any point starting on March 26, 2001, when he hung his dick out on Raw? My semen! And right. he publicly fired Jeff Jarrett, and mm-hmm. he did all this other, like, I won. Why wouldn't he be like, and by the way, Bret Hart was in on this whole thing. That's how much that I would fucking be, hated Ted that Turner. That would be the moment, right, right when you would right. reveal that, it, that, yeah, we did fake y'all out. And if know? not then, what about in Bret's DVD? Because it's totally irrelevant. <laughs> right. <back now. laughs> Especially, like, the DVD is like the final nail in the coffin, because that was like a joint Bret and Vince thing. They agreed because they hated each other so much Correct. still. That, or they that was trust. a huge deal. Right. The fact that they were able to, like, shake hands and say, we're going to make a DVD, and, like, we both have equal, this is like a partner deal. Correct. Remember? Yeah. Do you remember specifically that DVD was the only DVD WWE ever did in partnership with somebody? And you know the reason why, by the way, is because originally they were going to call it Screwed, the Bret Hart story. Right. And it was kind of going to be in the vein of the Ultimate Warrior piece of shit DVD they did. Yeah. You know that one, one right? where they were mad at him. Or Lawler's like, I mean, we're a ball cap. Yeah, yeah. Like, shut the fuck up. And <laughs> so, like, so Bret's like, you know, I'm not going to let them do that. They're going to have to do it with me. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. But the point is, is where do we capitalize on it? Why still, if it's been so long now... Why not reveal it? Because then people will be like, holy shit, Vince was a genius. Yeah. And Vince, if nothing else, wants to be recognized as a genius and a mastermind, just, you know? You know what the thing is, too, is, though, the people who have gone down deep down this rabbit hole, partially, I think they're looking for, they want the fucking board with the with the strings tied together. And <laughs> yeah. like, why, why is it not a work? Right, right. You know right. what I mean? They want that. It's like all these facts and shit. But to be honest with you, like... The evidence is there in just what happened. Right. And and this would make Bret Hart the greatest actor of our generation. Yeah. For a guy that supposedly can't cut promos and yeah. stinks, he's sure been convincing for 23 years about how much this pissed him off. <laughs> I wish it was a work. I wish that we'd planned it all out and that I would come back 10 years later when I'm old and wrestle Vince McMahon. You know what I'm saying, though? I don't know what people want anymore. I just think that... People want there to be some kind of thing. Like some smoking gun, right? Some smoking guns so that it could be... 
Could people just accept that it already is an interesting thing and you don't have to like add layers of <laughs> right. nothing on that that doesn't even fucking matter? Yeah, isn't like, this intriguing enough? Yeah, the, the, a, a boss literally screws a guy, doesn't tell him what the ending is in a fake thing, <laughs> like on his last day of work and right. like contracts are broken and yada yada. I don't know. Like, like all these, there's so many circumstances. There's like other people in on it. Isn't it fucking interesting enough? Like, do you have to like, I figured it out. I figured out the twist on right, it. Right. Right. That it's that it, that it's actually it's all fake, big conspiracy theory, <laughs> yeah. right? Who gives a shit? Like it's already interesting. It already is a conspiracy theory. It's a conspiracy between Vince, Sean, and Hepner. Right. So we have to add another conspiracy theory on top of that conspiracy theory. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Quinn. And I know one of the counter arguments to all this, and I want to get this one out of the way too. Okay, uh-huh. is going to be well, isn't it really convenient that Wrestling with Shadows happened to be filming? And I'm going to tell you the deal on that. Okay, it's known. That started in the sum, in the spring or summer of 97, that documentary. And it was going to just be a documentary on Bret Hart. It was an independent film, right? It's like a happy accident. Right. That happens, by the way, that happens all the time in documentary filmmaking. Yeah. I literally watch documentaries, two or three of them, not just that one, where literally the documentarians, like, in the middle of it will say, it was like, we were actually, like, making this for something else, and, like, this just yeah. happened. That happens fucking all the time. Happens a lot. If you're a good documentarian, you pick somebody who's interesting, and maybe some shit will go down while right. you're filming them. And what actually happened, too, from what I remember, what I've read and what I understand, is they had actually really wrapped filming in September of 97, okay? Right. But then Brett, that was right around the time where Brett, where Vince told Brett, you know, I can't pay you. Remember that whole deal? Right. In MSG, I think he told him that. Yeah. So Brett called Paul J, the director, back to film his last night in the WWF. So Brett thought, okay, something interesting is going right. to happen here. Because if nothing else, it was going to be the schmaz, and then I bet you Paul J would have filmed the next night when Brett thought he was giving the belt up on Raw, remember? Right, yeah. So he wanted to capture that because it's his career, and he cares a lot about his career, maybe too much. Right. I'll give everyone that, okay? Little did he know that all this shit would go down. Correct. That, that's the magic of document. Right. Document filmmaking or yes. whatever, right? Yes. Yeah. And not only that, you got to remember something, folks. Paul J shot hours upon hours of footage, right? Raw footage. Once the screw job happened, then they edited the footage and framed the narrative of right. it ending with Brett getting screwed. Yep. I'd like more footage of uh, in the house with the with the electric man and Julie and all this shit. You know, I, my dad was a fucking psychopath yeah. that liked to hurt people, but I just have this rubber dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Brett, Brett and Julie in the kitchen discussing contract terms. Vince is a fucking asshole, Brett. <laughs> You've been working there for 45 fucking years or whatever. I, it's like ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, so the documentary, yes, it looks very convenient. But you got to remember, it was edited that way once the events happened. Right. It was edited to frame the na- the buildup was to build it up to him getting screwed. If that hadn't happened, it probably would have been a happy ending. It yeah. probably, you know what I'm it saying? Been, it it would have been instead of him in, with Stu on the yard at the end. It would have been like with the grass actually grown. <laughs> like it would have been Brett, been like, something else, like Brett, Brett like, hold- triumphantly like yes. leaving or something. Like <laughs> right. bye. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Yeah, you know. Exactly. You use the footage you have, and then you frame your narrative that way. So I can't. Yes, it was a very good coincidence. But remember, Brett called them back because he thought this is my last night here. I want it mm-hmm. captured. Right. Brett is very protective of his legacy. Do we know that? Can we all agree on that? No, I'm going to make the Bret Hart VHS <laughs> or whatever he thought, probably. It's not going to be on the beta. You know, that's one thing in that aspect. And I think you you said it perfectly, Quinn. It's already interesting enough, intriguing enough, and infamous enough. It's already 
crazy enough. Yeah, it really like, is. You're going to add another level of fucking crazy on it. That right. It's like we planned this crazy. Right. They can't, and also, you guys really must think highly of a company that you hate a lot because... <laughs> Because to be quite honest with you, they're not capable of playing that like four dimensional chess right there. Like that's something they I, there's no way they could ever pull off for over 20 years. Also, yeah, yeah. See, that's the other thing. Even if you don't believe a word about the documentary thing or blah, 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 blah. What would the point be at this point? Yeah. Like, cash in on it. Right. May, where's the payoff and where would that payoff have been? Now, some people may say, well, there was going to be a payoff, but then Owen died and Brett got mad at Vince or whatever. You're really thinking and yeah. you're really trying to make excuses here. Yeah. It really happened. Brett was really upset about it. Mm-hmm. Notably and like famously upset about it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. He punched Vince McMahon over this. Yeah. He went to WCW. He had a shitty career in WCW and WWF happened to ride the wave of the fallout from Montreal. Mm-hmm. That's what happened as far as I can tell. Right. I don't really see how this... Why this would have been planned? No, I don't it, it get just, it. It just wasn't. If that was, it's just something the internet made up. <laughs> yeah, probably some guy on like 4chan or something like a long time ago, <laughs> like said like, you know what? I think it's fake. It's all like all of it. Yeah, and it they're like, what do you Stossel. mean it's all fake? And then they all built the narrative around it, and yeah. then that shit spread and blah blah blah. I just don't see why they would still, if it was a charade, why they would still be doing it now. Yeah, this far, like this far along. Why wouldn't Brett and Vince do like some kind of appearance where they cash in on it together? I just want to and point, they laugh about it. I want to point out that in 2021, when we're uh, recording this, if you're listening to this later, but even in 2021, this is a very irrelevant thing. Like if they have not <laughs> cashed in on it, yeah. If they decided on Raw tomorrow night to like or whatever, hey, by the way, my, the big announcement on Raw. <laughs> yeah, Montreal's fake. Nobody who was part of that really even works here anymore. Um, they're not relevant anymore. They're all like, they're all in their like 50s or 60s. Right. Um, it's true and though. And like, hooray, you right. found out. And then like, they just go to like, I don't know, like Natalia or somebody <laughs> afterwards and nobody remembers like, or some shit. What are we doing here? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like completely like a waste of whatever. I do get the fun of speculating and i know that even some wrestlers do that but maybe they're just doing that to stir the pot also whatever wrestlers say that you know I what it's i mean just like a funny story it's like a funny conspiracy at the point this point it's like like it's a joke that it's a, it's a work you yeah. know what i'm saying it's like a whole oh, it's you know montreal's a work yeah but like that's becoming a, a just a, like a meme itself it is talking about montreal is a meme we're talking about it here we, we, we try to, to not talk about we have it to keep addressing it because here's the thing is the, I feel like the fans just want to keep putting like a new spin on it every few years. Yeah. It's like, no, you, like you, you're not getting it, right? right? It's like <laughs> there's been thousands of hours of footage covering this shit, but right. like everyone's missing it. Every single person, they've, they've totally missed the point. Right. And then the other thing here is we're, we're really giving WWE the benefit of the doubt that they can keep a secret They're this not long. that good. They're like, not. I, I, and that's what I was trying to say <laughs> yeah. before. They're not capable of this. And then also, wouldn't someone have known, like, Vince Russo? Wouldn't somebody that doesn't like Vince or... Well, Vince Russo always likes Vince, I guess. But wouldn't somebody have spilled the beans by now to cash in on it? Like, unauthorizedly spilled the beans? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just... It's stupid. Everyone that thought... All the wrestlers, from what I remember, that think it's a work were in WCW at the time. <laughs> and maybe they saw how shitty they used... Bret Hart, and they're like, oh, they mu- this must have been planned by Vince, yeah. you know what I mean? But I remember even those comments. <laughs> I think Chris Jericho 
said it jokingly. Like Probably. his tone is not serious or whoever said it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. in the documentaries I've heard where people have literally said like, oh, it must have been, they must have like did this on purpose, but they were like very, they were very much kidding. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but somebody is like, I'm fucking whatever that guy is from X-Files or Unsolved Mysteries. I'm going to figure it out. X-Files? Yeah, I don't know. Just I'm just thinking of a theme in the back. Whenever I think of Montreal's work, I either think of the X-Files theme or I think of the Unsolved Mysteries theme playing in the back of my head because it's stupid. Like, <laughs> it's not, that's not true. I think we can end it on that. Yeah. Paul, I appreciate it. And I love the topic of discussion. It's fun. And I know that some of you fans out there still aren't convinced after listening to this, but I also know that there are people that don't think it's a work. You guys discuss, okay? Yeah. You guys discuss on our Facebook group or tweet at us or whatever you want to do. Let us know what you really think about Montreal. Was it, You know who got worked? Bret Hart got worked. That's true. He's the one that got worked. It's true. So that's what I have to say about it. Folks, let us know what you think. You can, of course, like I said, do that on Twitter, shoot us an email, or join the group of Quinn when we come back. We're back to the best world title changes of all time. Two more coming in the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It is the Royal Rankings of World Title Changes, and that is coming up right after this. Anyone that thinks that it was a work is either an idiot or um, they're just trying to provoke a reaction. Um, clearly, uh, you know, anyone that knows anything about me knows that's a pretty touchy subject. And I, you know, I went through a lot um, in my lifetime. <clears throat> and the screw job is, um, I look at it, it was a victory for me. I mean, I, I got nothing but integrity and everything I said was true and I, everything I talk about it, I, I can name who was in the room when I knocked Vince out. I can name, I can mark with an X, I can mark with an X where everybody sat when it happened and what their reactions were, including Sean's. And all I know is Kevin Nash wasn't there. You know, if you want to know what really happened to the screw job, ask Undertaker. I cannot believe that this happened. Hey! And now, back to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode 225, here on May 31st, 2021. How you doing, Michael? Hi. Hi. All right, Quinn, before we get into the rankings, uh, uh, one more reminder, okay? Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. This is where you get our pay-per-view reviews for $5 a month, and you get the 1983, very soon to be 1984 canon. It's a, it's a completely different canon. It's actually a new canon from the canon it already is. Yeah, it's an extra canon, yeah. okay? And that's only 2 bucks a month, so you're going to get weekly content on the 1983 canon, and you get monthly pay-per-view reviews. Check it out if you're an OVP fan, okay? It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast, and like I said, the little tip, I don't do this a lot, okay? But the little tip, sign up tomorrow. You get the whole month, and then you get charged on July 1st, okay? Give it a shot if you've been thinking about it. We appreciate your support. Look, if you don't want to donate or if you don't want extra stuff, that's fine. Yeah. We're not mad at you. Or we're not here to money grub or anything. We have fun making the extra content. People have fun listening to it. It's up to you. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Just the tip. Just the, just the tip. Yeah. All right. Now, with that out of the way, Quinn. Mm -hmm. Let's get down to brass tacks here. Oh, the tax? Okay. 
The tips and the tax. Let's get down to the tips and the tax. So let's get down to some tax tips. Okay. This is the Royal Rankings of World Title Changes. And what that means, the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush, if you've never heard our show before, is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. You do that on Facebook. And then when the voting's over, our chief statistician, Joe Merkel, takes all of your submissions, compiles them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. And we alternate each week. So last week was the flush, which is the worst. This week is the rankings, which is the best. By the end of the season, after we rank all these, you're going to have the definitive certified organic, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy best and worst title changes, world title changes of all time. Now, Quinn, there are four on the board right now. There is. Let's run them down. At number one, because right now it has to be right. Hulk Hogan, Iron Sheik, January of 84 in MSG. It started it all. It really did. It started wrestling. Now, number two. As much as old, started older wrestling. Fo- folks won't admit it. Well, because but, before then, obviously, it was in Smoky Bars. Right, right. That's it. I mean, we watched it. Yeah, it was in it was Smoky Bars. Dumpy over there in, in Allentown's Allentown. a bar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number two, despite my misgivings, I have to agree. I do have to agree. Goldberg versus Hogan, July of 98. It's very good. And I do. It's number two. Number three, again, because of the magnitude here, it kicked off a new era, kind of like Hogan Sheik did. Austin Michaels, WrestleMania yeah, 14. It's, it's like that version yeah. of that. And number four is definitely the most feel-good, happy moment it's on here. Happy. The yeah. least important. But very the, not important But at all. the happiest yeah. for me, anyway, is Rock Mankind, January 4th, butts and, the butts and Seats. Exactly. That's, that's why it's important. Now, just to briefly refresh people, or again, if it's your first time, we're not talking about specifically match quality, Quinn. It's not just how good the match it's was. It's an overall thing. It's the like different importance. Cr- right, importance, memorability. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. What it did. Yeah, yeah. And the more we get more names on here, the more we really have to file down the criteria. Criterion. Criterion. Because we can't just say, oh, it's good. Because yeah. then how do you determine which one's better, right? But if that was the case, then Goldberg versus Hogan would be number, number one. Number four, yeah. What? Huh? Uh-huh. All right. So with the four names on the board, we're going to get two more. But before we do that, we've got to go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. Mankind did it! We've got a new world champion! No, we don't either. It is the Royal Rankings of World Title Changes, week number three here, Quinn. Title wave. Title wave. Is it getting hot and heavy yet or not yet? Well, it's getting hot and heavy in this attic, yeah. <laughs> it's a loft. Well, it's, when it's hot, it's an attic. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And it's a lofty goal to uh, be number one on the Royal Rankings of World Title Changes, but somebody's going to be it. We'll see if Hogan and Sheik hangs on, Quinn. We'll see what goes on here. We're going to be shuffling the deck a Definitely. bit. Definitely. So we've talked about our criteria. We've run down the four names on the board. It's exciting, like I was saying, because there's so many good, like feel good or happy or important world title changes, mm-hmm. but only 10 can make the voting. Yes. Let alone who number one is going to be when it's all said and done. And again, this is voted on you, the by you, the fans. We don't vote. We just rank. We're just, we're here to rank it. That's, that's it. That's we're just we here do. to rank it. We're very simple. We're very simple. We're simple yeah. folk around here. Yeah. 
Want to find out who drew number five? Let's do it. Count us down, fans. Right, so it's CM Punk hmm. very famously defeating John Cena at Money in the Bank, July 17th, 2011. Okay, first of all, I yeah. will say that this is the most interesting thing that happened to wrestling for like 10 years. At the, like, this was like very sorely needed as far as like nothing important had happened well, for quite some time. You know what, Quinn, you're kind of right about that. Yeah. There was a long stretch of Triple H yeah. on Raw. Yeah. As the world champion doing his Harley race, Ric Flair hybrid push. Yep. The ex babies. The ex babies. Uh, um, there was the rise of John Cena and Batista in the mid 2000s. Yeah, that was good. There'd be some fun stuff like Umaga, but I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing really like was interesting. Like, let's say not to this level. Yeah. Now CM Punk had come to the WWF in 2006. Actually, it already been here five years. Right. So when he came in, there was a lot of hope behind him because it was like, Oh, look, it's a character that's not um, generic right. guy, person, you know, like just regular, we made him, WE wrestler. Right. It was like, he was like one of the brighter stars out of the Ring of Honor crew. That's the thing. He was well established already right. on the independent, specifically he, Ring of Honor. Yeah. And what was interesting at the time is that um, WWE decided to go with CM Punk, whereas their competition, TNA, decided to go with Samoa Joe. And that's what I yeah. remember how... How the Ring of Honor um, talent pool was divvied. Yes. Right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they got their hands on CM Punk. Yeah. One of the big things, too, that I remember you and I at the time were happy about, they let him keep his friggin' name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> remember? Because he, he already had a weird name. Yeah. He had a very indie name. Yeah, it is very indie, I right? I actually always appreciated that he kind of kept it. Like, that name is so, like, I just made it up while I was, like, on a car ride somewhere. Like doing an indie show, and he's always been that his whole wrestling it's career. Perfect. Yeah, like it's you a know great what? Just, it's so dumb. Yep. Don't change. It. Yeah, it's like CM that should, Punk. That should just be what it is. Yep. Meanwhile, you had John Cena, who by 2011 was John Cena, definitely right. John Cena, like well established in house development, first party. Yep. Um, he's first like party. Super Mario of WWF. <laughs> like basically, <laughs> that's a great one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Batista was like their Sonic the Hedgehog. Whereas maybe. CM Punk is like Capcom or Konami <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, he's he's Konami. <laughs> yeah, he, he very weird, yep. different, yeah. offbeat, but very popular, high yeah. quality. Right. And John Cena by 2011. I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, look. I had my period of not liking John Cena. You had your period. Everyone of- did because it was it was a little much <laughs> when he was like, "Hi, I'm a baby yeah. and I'm Hulk Hogan Jr." and all this. Like, no, no everyone was like, "This is boring." <laughs> but let's give him his due, man. Solid. Oh, he was dependable. He was, there was always, you know, what the thing was when Cena was in that phase for like two or three years. Like, I want to say 2006, 2008. Yeah. Until CM Punk, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like. It was like he really didn't have anything to do. He kind of conquered the mountain. But like underneath it all, I think everyone knew he was a very good wrestler. And I think that maybe contributed to the frustration of him just being like, hi, yeah, like, I know. I, I'm, I'm a kid friendly character and all this. It's like this guy's a badass wrestler. Like there was a reason we liked him in the first place. He had some good matches. Yeah, he really did. Like yeah. the, the matches with Sean were really good. He had some decent ones with Orton. The one with Umaga is very famous. He was a rare guy also that was like in shape, like muscular he and stuff. great. No, let's be that honest. That was like a good wrestler. But you the, know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the great thing about this storyline is you're taking, this is why it's such a good storyline. You're taking years 
and years of development into this, right? Like Cena right. had been there nine years already, and he is very much the establishment. Right. And CM Punk is not. And CM Punk was able to work in an angle. And truthfully, I mean, it's not all angle. It's part of it is based on real life, which is always where the best storylines come from, exactly. in my opinion. The promo. Remember the famous promo? Yeah. The pipe bomb. Yes, the pipe bomb. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead. But the fact is, it's, it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family. All these years later, that's exactly what happened. I know. <laughs> You're right. He, he, he knew it. That was like a long time. It's like a decade ago, practically. And, and he, he was absolutely correct. Right. And this is when the pipe bomb type of thing was novel because it had been in the WWF. It had been years and years and years. We had, anybody was honest around right. here. We had gotten so far, thankfully, from the work to shoot promos because when you do that all the time, then they're not special. Yeah. Like WCW did them all the time. It's at my the end. understanding that letting him do that was a choice because they were trying to get him to stay right that that was that was the idea was that they wanted to keep him yes they, they wanted Clearly, to keep him because they did and and he was he was one of the rare people in that time um when there really wasn't competition like let's not, but, let's not act like TNA was real competition not by 11 cuz when Hogan yeah. and Bischoff and all those cronies came in and ten, it kind of tanked it he was the rare guy that was saying you know what? I'm willing to give up wrestling. Fuck wrestling. Yeah, or I'll like, go do what I, I want to do. I, I, I want to do whatever I want to do. I don't need you fucking people. Like, you know what I mean? And they were kind of, I think they were taken aback by this. Maybe. Especially somebody who was like a star in their company. Yeah. And they thought, well, let's let's give him a chance to give say what, whatever he wants to say out there, right? He, I, you can talk about Vince, whatever. Because yeah. we, we, for our understanding, like, Vince said you could. Vince you could, okayed it. Yeah, he was course. like, you can, whatever you want to say. I don't care. Yeah. So tell tell the truth, right? right? It's like, but please stay, right? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes you got to appease your talent, right? Right. And exactly. It, it's not like he had he had been there five years. He wasn't like brand new, and let alone on the indies, right? He had been there five years. It wasn't like he was brand new, demanding. And he was also, very popular. Very popular and very, very good. He was very popular because his style was much different than normal WWE affair. His look was different. He had a bunch of tattoos. Yeah. He, he, but he also had a, had a tinge of fun and goofy like the pepsi plunge yeah. and like things like that like and a unique a, style yeah unique style and a look he felt real but he also felt like a wrestler yeah it was like it was very he was such a hybrid and interesting character comparatively to everything else correct absolutely true and very good uh talker when they let him be right yeah so that kind of sets the stage yes in real life his contract had been expiring now they worked that into the storyline very nicely done by the way and he had he had um defeated cena the month before Money in the Bank in a non-title match on Raw. Right. So we start the ball rolling here, right? And they work the whole thing that his contract is expiring right after the money, like midnight or something after the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Right. Now, Money in the Bank just so happens to be at the fucking Allstate Arena, and you know where that is? Rosemont, baby. Yeah. So this is hometown. To me, this this is a bit of a stroke of luck, if you ask me the timing, because they, they would book these paper oh, use months, months in advance if not right? a year yeah so you need to get the venue so here they here they have a crowd that is pro cm punk right and he's technically a heel he's a heel technically he's technically a heel and here comes this match right where it's like and and, and i did like what um they did with cena where cena's a face but vince is perpetually a heel but vince is like Hal, you gotta yep, like yep. you gotta beat him and like keep the title in the WF where because yep. I know you'll like work for me because you're good 
man yeah, or whatever. You're, you're the guy I've always wanted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there you got Cena with this like pr- the pressure's kind of ramped up. He's got to beat this guy, right? In his hometown. In his home. In in his hometown, and the crowd goes nuts. And I'll never forget his fucking entrance, where like he does the clobbering time and everything, and like the whole fucking place like explodes. Hell yeah, man. like the audience this felt like this guy's finally gonna destroy shitty wwf right right we're like, gonna fight shit is finally gonna change it's gonna be like the attitude era like that's what they were selling right like i mean i that's guess like, not that the, was at least the, different that was the promise of cm punk like a return to form a return to being not pg right. anymore right exciting exciting edgy and, and you did never knew what was gonna happen Correct. And like that kind of yes that's what he was there that he the, that was the promise that he represented to the fans yes and honestly they really should have looked at that and said wow they really like this unpredictable shit they don't they they don't like monster of the week or <laughs> right, whatever yeah, and yeah. john cena stands tall or whatever well, that's very 80s yeah it's very establishment they, they they want the 90s back they don't want the 80s back they want the 90s back right right so it was a very interesting setup very all the all the elements came together perfectly right and i got to give john cena credit too because obviously John Cena had endured the hate yeah, for years at this point, it, right? And he still went out there and smiled. I fucking and, love him for and that. And fucking, like, it's like, make a wish and all yep. this. And, like, he just kind of stayed John Cena the whole yep. way through. And these guys have a tremendous fucking match. Yes. Tremendous match. Like, literally awesome match. Great match. Right? The crowd, the commentary, all of it. Yes, even the commentary with Michael Cole. And we get to the point where Vince sends out John Laurinaitis, remember? Right. And I love it because it's Cena's character, right? Right. Now, he's supposed to get, like, fired if he loses, too. I think some weird stipulation. None of that means anything. Like, Obviously. they're going to fucking fire yeah. him and they lost the WF title, yeah, right? right? And they're going to lose CM Punk, whose yeah. contract expires. Yeah, sure. that, that would be, that's really how we should do it. Yeah. But I love it because Cena is the character, is a good guy, right? And he right. is hustle, loyalty, respect. Yeah. He, and I love, he fucking knocks out John he Laurinaitis. He maintains his, like baby face dumb yep. like through this because he's in a like what's so interesting about this match is the baby face is in a weird position yeah where management is evil but the baby face represents management indirectly yeah. because not be, willingly not willingly but because he loves the fans of the company <laughs> yeah, right like right. so he's in he's like in a rock and a hard place right yeah. he's got to like help vince mcmahon who's not really a good guy right but he also is doing it for his perceived like I'm a friend of WWE fans, right. like you know, and and hustle loyalty, and also there's that aspect yeah. where it's like I'm I'm a very upstanding guy. Right. And I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to cheat. Right. So it's like it's John Cena's in this perfect position. It's awesome. Where he has to like like they're, the the heels are trying to help him and he rejects it. Yep. Right. Come for the bell, Mr. McMahon. I believe trying to signal to the timekeeper, and he sending letter and I just down the right hand by Cena. So Cena knocks out Laurinaitis. Vince gets all sad, remember? Yeah, and he's yeah. still got like the shitty hair, like the fallout from his haircut in 07. You, mean the, you mean the good ECW champion hair? Yeah, yeah, but like, remember his hair like wasn't ever it the same again? Grow, <laughs> it, it did eventually, eventually. grow back. Yeah, but <laughs> it took a long time. Yeah. But anyway, CM Punk wins clean. Yeah. The place explodes. Punk has his belt, right? 
Vince gets Del Rio out there to try to cash in the money oh, in the right. bank. They tried to like use the money, in yep. the, which was kind of a, it's you funny. know, I always thought that was a very smart, interesting idea because yep. it's like, well, you got, you're at the money in the bank pay-per-view, so you have an automatic backup if like Cena fucks up, right? Yep. Yeah. So it makes sense, right? So Del Rio comes out, Punk just escapes through the crowd with the hey, belt. He's just like, fuck this fuck shit. Yeah, it's like, also the crowd's going to protect me. Yeah. Because they're, right? they're hometown crowd. They'll fucking knock Del Rio's ass out and someone probably should have. Yeah. Anyway, Seriously, like, could you imagine if they took it that far? It would have been funny if like Del Rio chases him and like a bunch of fans just attack him. Like, just get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah. So anyway, we know the fallout there is like, so Punk leaves with that. And then like, they have to bring like a new champion because Punk's not there. Remember? So like, like a weird tournament thing with like yeah. Rey Mysterio and yes, stuff. Yes. It's like, yeah, exactly. And it goes on from there. None of that matters. Afterwards. None of that matters. Yeah. And Punk eventually, obviously, is the WWF champion, has a year, over a year-long reign. What is it? Right. November of 11 until January well, until, of 13. Until, remember, The Rock said he was Ugh. supposed to lose the belt. God. Because The Rock says, when he says that, um, they, they wrote the story already or <laughs> yeah. something. I don't know. Right. But holy shit, what a... Uh, Rock Stradamus. Rock Stradamus. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking moment. What a match, by the way, too. And if you care about what Meltzer gave it, he did give it five stars. It was good. It was like the fucking whole, everything, good. Everything about it was a good wrestling match, but it also had like the entertainment aspect. It had like all the pieces. It was a great thing. Just one of their, honestly, one of the best things they've probably ever done. Yeah. I know it's more modern, but now at this point, it's 10 years old. So with all it's, this time and perspective, you can wait, look at it. It's crazy how that's 10 years ago. Right? I remember God. when it happened. And you know what? You know what I think? always stuns me the most and again not a comment i don't mean it to be a commentary but i mean like why is there nothing like that anymore like what because like, this not, is organic that's like, that's like new this was like, organic you know what i mean yep yeah i as, just i don't get it as much as this obviously had the stamp of approval and it was a storyline it was still organic and made from something real Yes. And I think that's why it works that's so well. That's why anything, yeah. And, this, and that's why I give John Cena also all the credit for this, too. Not all the credit, but he gets he gets a lot of credit for this, too, in my opinion. Oh, he Both a, of them. He was the other half of they it. They were great. I mean, it, they couldn't do this with, like, Edge or something as, like, the, you know, no. in the Cena role. Or like, Randy Orton. Any one of the other stars right. of Cena's, like, era. Yeah, no. It was had to be Cena. Yeah. And it worked. And it was beautiful. And I love it. And we will see where that ranks. But I do believe, Quinn, it is now time to find out who drew number six. Sure. Let's do it. But no, it's the Macho Man. And it'll go behind from the outside. And no, 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 no. Woo. All right. Uh, Randy Savage defeating Ric Flair at WrestleMania 8. I'm a little... Why did this make this? Surprised. Not because I don't like it. I love it. I yeah. obviously love it. No, it's a great it. thing, but I mean, it's like... As it's a, in the like, top 10, huh? Top 10 title change? It's a great moment, Quinn. Let's, well, let's talk I mean, about it. Let's... The, 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 the centerfolds and yeah. um, the WF magazine and cherries and stuff. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It, uh, it's a simple but effective storyline. Obviously, Ric Flair, who had been there since September of 91. Right. And no one really took him seriously. None of the face announcers took him seriously, right? It's like, what a piece of shit! That's not he, a real belt! Yeah, you know, like <laughs> He thinks he's good! Yeah, right? Like that kind of thing. But then at the Royal Rumble 92, Gorilla doesn't... Gorilla is only positive about Flair from then on out. Yeah. He is. He's no, like, it, it really does <laughs> change his mind. Right. Like, if would, you will. And I love the consistency of a Gorilla Monsoon character. That's yeah. why it's so important to me because like he's the lead announcer, right? Have to hand it yep. to your brain. <laughs> right? He's got he's really good. What yeah. a job by Rick Flair. Yeah. Great job. So that's really he's awesome. He's the real deal. Right. Flair, 
quote unquote proves himself at the Royal Rumble when he wins the world title. So now he's like Hogan caliber practically. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's he's, he's he's in the Macho Man and all those people, yep. like Roddy Piper's of those people. Exactly. He's, he's in their caliber. Now is he an asshole? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But he's Ric Flair. That's the character. He's still Ric Flair, yep. the same Ric Flair, right? Except he doesn't wear a suit as much, but that's another story. Sometimes a sweater. I hate it. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's so one weird. of my biggest annoyances about Ric Flair's run in WWF. Less you know, suits. He, that's like the point. I like, know. You know what I mean? He only wears the robe when he wrestles. Right. When he's not wrestling, he wears the suit. Correct. Why but did anyway, they not get that? I don't know why. It's I very strange. I think they wanted to sell, and they, I know they never really made it, but I think they wanted to sell a Ric Flair action figure wearing a robe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Branding, pal. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, now Hulk Hogan was supposed to be the number one contender. In storyline, I mean, but decided instead that he was going to fight Sid because he was mad at Sid for very legally eliminating him in a match where there's no Fucking friends. Stupid, <laughs> only foes. I don't want to get started on. I that. know, I know. It, it really pisses me off. We've litigated this a lot. Yeah, uh, but the bottom line is Hogan was bored, brother, and he wasn't sure if he was going to leave, so he's got to go fight Sid over it or yeah, something. I, I don't know. So in the meantime, get out of here, please. <laughs> in the meantime, Jack Tubby is like, you know what? The number one fucking contender will be Macho Man for no reason. Yeah. So Macho Man is now the number one Well, because he was the other guy left in the Rumble. Right, and if Sid's going to be fighting Hogan, I guess right. it's, yeah, Macho Man. The final man. four, Macho Man was in the final four, so. Right. Somehow. Somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even though he did eliminate himself, they yeah. had to, like, cover that. Yeah. Uh, so Ric Flair, being Ric Flair, decides to fuck with Macho Man. Right. And concocts this whole thing and gets some pictures doctored up where. A lot of concocting. Uh, there was a lot of concocting where uh, he says basically that, hey. Savage, she was mine before she was yours, pal. Here we are. Look at this. Wow, where was that? At her dining room table. Dom Perignon. <laughs> She's really working on me here, you know. <laughs> look at the look in her eyes. And he shows off these pictures of Ric Flair and Miss Elizabeth and grapes and playing pool or whatever the fuck people I have do. A, I've always had a question. What What is supposed to be the time frame behind this, right? Because, so in, <laughs> in, in kayfabe, right? That's a good point. In kayfabe, they've only been married since SummerSlam. In kayfabe, they've only been together so since 90, SummerSlam like, 91. Is this like in 1990 or is this like early 91 or something? Is this supposed to have happened? Yeah, because like, when else would... Because Savage was with Liz from 85... Until 89. Well, he wasn't, though. Remember, there was the gap when he was with Sherry. Yeah, from 89 to 91. So it had to be between then and the kayfabe, I'm just saying. Maybe that's why Liz wasn't there that much. Right, and it was also implied that prior to the the WrestleMania 7 that they weren't, like, dating ever. No. She was his manager. She was his manager. There never was, like, even though everyone knows this. Yes, of course. It's just funny because I'm just thinking of it from a kayfabe perspective. So, like, the only time this could have happened was between WrestleMania 5 and WrestleMania 7. Right. And that's why Liz wasn't there that much. It makes sense. Okay. So, there we go. We got a timeline. She was dating Ric Flair during that. Allegedly. Yeah. So, anyway, Savage is rightfully pissed because he always gets pissed when you bring up Elizabeth. Don't do that. Yeah. He gets very mad about it. Don't mm-hmm. talk about her. Don't look at her. Right. Just don't, don't leave her out of this, right? So, we're, we got the stage set for the big uh, double main event at WrestleMania 8 in the Hoosier Dome. We have a review of this on Patreon. Uh, we had fun doing it. It's a Who's great here? time. Hoosier. Now, this is the first half of a double main event because, again, Hogan, bald, bored, brother, yeah. Rough stuff, right? Yeah. That whole bullshit. I might leave. I might leave, but I'm not really. Wink, wink. Yeah. So we get a world title match between Ric Flair and Randy Savage. And I will say this. All the elements on this one come together really well. Savage and Flair are great. Right. 
because Randy Savage always brings the goods, right? He acts like a psychopath most of the yes. match. Like it's like he's finally like lost his shit. Right. Ric Flair is his usual confident dicky self. Mr. Perfect's being a big he, ass yes. the whole match. He is such an asshole it's in this best, match. It's the best appearance of manager perfect. Ever. Yeah. Literally. After that, everything goes downhill. But. Right. But he's fantastic in that. He's just such a piece of shit. So hateable. Time. I remember when I was re-watching it, you know, whenever we did that, I was like getting pissed at him. It's like, I'm like, go the fuck away. Right. Like, you're annoying. Bobby from the booth is amazing. Won't Go- Gorillas just had enough of all of it. <laughs> so, and the crowd is You're great. You're a piece of work. You're a liar. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Yeah. Oh my God, it's good. All the elements come together and it's a good culmination of that pre-attitude era, like that late 91 to yeah, early 92. pre-attitude attitude era. Yes, yeah. it's so good, right? And obviously what happens is half or towards the end of the match, Liz storms out. She wasn't out there with Savage the whole time. She storms out, and you got Dave Hebner and Sneakers They're trying to get like, her out of there. Don't do it. Don't. Yeah. Like, what, I, first of all, what, what do they mean? She's don't, always at ringside. Don't do it. Second of all, like Mr. Perfect's acting like a fuck. So, yeah. like, what? He, Macho Man needs some kind of manager, anybody yeah. out there, like, to that, help him. That is true. Like, yeah. Liz is always ringside with him. What are they doing trying to stop her? Yeah, she's got a manager's license and all this. You she, would think. Yeah. She probably I, I, renewed that. I would think so. You have to well, renew she still it, right? Had, no, I don't even think she had to because remember she managed Hulk technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and she was there with Savage. She, yeah, what the hell? I don't even understand. Why are they trying to stop what, her? Because they thought. Because I think that it's implied that they think she'll like do something stupid and get hurt because Uh-oh. she's trying to defend him. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Because they're now they're married. Now so they're there's, married. there's more emotion attached to it. Good point. Right. But anyway, the bottom line is this: is that Flair uh, does an obvious blade job, busted wide open. Savage uh, with a slight handful of trunks, and he gets the win. Well, don't forget, Ric Flair had it coming at the very end there, because all oh, yeah. of a sudden, he gets in Liz's face, <laughs> yeah. and he was like, don't lie, baby, you what were about with me? me. What about me? What about me? And then she kind of, like, slaps him. At the end, yeah. yeah and it- <laughs> it's great. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like He's, like, all upset. Macho Man just, like, rolls him up in the package. Savage beats the fuck out of him after the match, yeah. too, and uh, it's a great chaotic scene. Very different from uh, the main event scene that we had had in the WWF for years, right? Yeah. This is not a Hogan main event. Mm-hmm. This is very different. It's a Randy Savage, intense, emotional chaos. Savage is right. great at that, and obviously so is Flair. Tremendous stuff. The pop when Savage is announced as, once again, the I World Wrestling Federation champion. Again, yeah. Not new, once again. Love it. Which is rare back then. Very rare. It, nobody get, regained the WF title other than Hulk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're right. Except it, Bruno, but then that's going way, way all back. All I mean to say is that it felt like when, when he held that title high, it felt like validation that like everyone loved Macho Man and like they didn't really want him to lose the belt. Right. You know what I'm love saying? Love Macho Man. Yeah. A lot of people love Macho Man. Right. You should love Macho Man. He's tremendous. He's the fucking best. One of the best ever. Yeah. And the crowd... Is just wild for this. Pyro goes off. It is rare. Tr- yeah, I know. It is truly a feel-good moment, really, and right. a, a very awesome moment. Now, I will say this. Savage's reign is not good. No. It's more just like, I always felt that they gave him the belt as kind of like, it was a little bit of like, they needed- it, was, it was a bit of two things. It was like, they needed it because Hulk was gone, right? Yeah. Secondly, that reign always felt like 
a validation of like a lot of fans of the Macho Man. Yes. Was that like he is the best. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he is like one of the best. He's like, if Hulk Hogan's number one, he's number two, and he always will be. There's right. nobody better than him right, other, right. other than him and Hulk. Better than the best, even, yeah, you might yeah. say, right? Like, it was like, that's what that title win felt like. It yeah. felt like a victory for Macho Man it fans. Re- it like, really you know did. I mean? Yes. And unfortunately, he happened to win the title in the midst of a very bad period of time for the WWF in terms of PR, business going down. And Savage... Tr- I think that was it was designed to... To lessen the blow. It was trying to, but it I was mean, like, well, we'll give you Macho Man. Everyone right. loves Macho Man, right? Like, you'll forget about all that serious stuff. You got Macho Man as the champion again, right? Right. I just don't know if anything would have lessened the blow too and much, you know? I don't want to say that his reign was bad because, you eh. know, here's the, here's the one thing I will say about it is yeah. that every time, um, every match I see with him during that reign, I mean, he's like super fucking over. Like, everyone loves him. Like, he's the definitely minute, over, The minute yeah. that music hits, like, he's so popular still. He remains that way, too. Right. And so it's not like the reign was horrible. It was just like the stories were really weird around well, it. Well, the Warrior won with Mr. Brown. Yeah. I, I like the match, by the way, with the Warrior. Can't stand it. I know, I know. And you don't look perfect. And it's very annoying, that whole yeah. thing. It is annoying. Yeah. And then obviously he loses a flair right after SummerSlam, and that's kind of it for him as a major player in the then WWF. Then he's Babe Ruth or whatever. Then he's Babe Ruth, exactly. Yeah. More like Babe Dahlgren. Did you seriously just make that reference? And that's really it. Yep. Honestly, there's not much more to recap on that. The backstory is simple. There's a few weeks of a build. It's good. It's novel for them. They kind had of the swan song of Macho Man and WBF. In terms of major importance, yeah. I mean, like you said, after SummerSlam, he's just... He's just He's like, he wrestles I'm on or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. That whole Todd Pettengill and all that yeah. stuff, yeah. Does Raw, does a lot of announcing, yeah. wrestles occasionally. Um, it's very good, and I thought the storyline was very different from what they had been doing for years in the main event scene with the world right. title. It was very different. And it went hand-in-hand hand with that kind of edgier product they had been doing since around SummerSlam. Yeah. 91, you know what I mean? With like the Jake angle and then this for... So, it was so, good. A lot better than the next year at WrestleMania when he's eating grapes on... <laughs> bed or whatever yes but you can hear next week if you want to on our uh, yeah. our patreon but uh that's it yep. time to rank okay okay let me run them down again number one hogan chic two goldberg hogan three is austin michaels and four is rock mankind so cm punk john cena is better <sighs> i mean i hmm. i you know where i see that weirdly where i see it at number three that's, okay, my, well, that's my opening salvo. Wait, okay, well, salvo me this. Why is it going above Rock Mankind? Not that I disagree, but just tell me some reason. I love, I, I think the moment's better, personally. After so much stagnation, that felt so fucking good. That was like one of those moments where you say, now I remember why I like wrestling. Like That's, that's like a good one, way to put it. That's like one of those. A, like, lot of, a lot of that can be said for the Rock Mankind, though, because it was just like a... um. Almost like a Cinderella story. Yeah, it's just you know? what, I, what I'm saying about the punk Cena moment. It felt like a release valve for a lot of people that had been hanging around since the end of the Attitude Era. Right. Like it, it, yeah. it was like... Yeah, that's a good point. It was just like, can we just do something different and like edgy and like interesting for once? Like, that's like what that felt like. And if people loved it. Like, and it did actually start a very good year for them. Yeah, it did. Like a, a, a time period where people thought wrestling was back. And the other thing that I always thought that this did, for better or for worse, it started an era of like this weird cooperation between the internet 
and the wrestling where it actually had a, a good synergy where they would kind of react to it and it would like that short but sweet period where everyone calls it summer of punk or whatever they want to call yeah, 2012, it. 2012. Yeah, but it led to it is what I'm saying is like that, that period, maybe it was like a year or two. Right. Where like it was, you would, you would watch the shows and then you'd go on the internet and they'd have some kind of connection and it was kind of a, a nice little cyclical thing every week. Right. You would, you would watch raw You'd see what was going on on the internet, and then there would almost be like a reaction, and, and yeah, and, I guess and so. One step to the next, and and it was it was a great time period for them before they started actively pissing off their fans in like 2014. It was just it was know? just weird because it felt like they figured out how to use the smart people to their advantage briefly, but they did for and, a while. And they, and then they just like I, I guess they couldn't keep it up because then if you do what they say all the time, then it doesn't work. The point yeah, is, you is have that other people to consider. The point is, is that this felt like a a huge step in the right direction to figuring out how to do wrestling in the modern times. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? That like this was like them finally hitting it out of the park, leveraging the fact that they had this rabid fan base on the yeah. internet and yeah. take and, and taking advantage of it and making a storyline that worked with it. I agree with you. I you love know? I love Rock Mankind, but this one is just as feel good. This yes. is a very feel good memorable moment and uh especially for something newer you know what i mean especially yeah. for something a lot newer than most of the uh, matches on this list i have no problem putting it above rock mankind yeah because it really was a big deal for the time and truthfully the rock mankind they could have not done that and still been just as successful and had just as hot of a product in 99 yeah the cena punk thing was a much needed injection of something different. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And it, even though Punk, you know, and they had to have the Rey Mysterio, it led to Punk having the long ass reign. Right. It wasn't yeah. immediate, but that, that was the first step the of it. The fallout was actually like, was good. I, I remember the fallout being, even though I was like Rey Mysterio and like yeah, all this shit, like I thought it was like very interesting. Yeah. Like I was like, this is, this is the most interesting they've been in like 10 years. Yeah. Like this is, this is like so weird. Yep. It's like you have the champ, but he's not there because right. like, and then there's this build up to him coming back. It almost felt like Austin esque. Yeah, it was right? a big it was deal. Like, it was like very cool. It was very cool. But why could it be, or how could it be better than Austin Michaels? So, in your opinion? So the reason I think it's a little bit better is because for Austin and Michaels, I always felt that this match, while it needed to happen, it could have been anybody, like anybody in Austin. It could have been anybody in Steve Austin. It needed to be Austin. This, this just felt like a formality in comparison. Like the Austin oh, era was already underway. Yeah, this was just the last step of kicking it off. It didn't feel absolutely necessary in a weird way. Well, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, I, like it felt like they could have I know had what you mean. Austin beat anybody and they would have been ready to rock and roll. It would have been Bret Hart if he was still there from what I understand. That was yeah, one whatever. thing Bret wanted it just to do. Didn't, is who had the title who represented the new gen at the Essentially. Time. It could have been anybody. Yeah, and Michaels I mean, was... fucking Vader for all we know, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, Undertaker. It, does, it doesn't fucking matter. Michaels like, was the biggest star they yeah. had, so they yeah. went with him. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I watched this live. You did too, right? We were fans at the time. Mm -hmm. I knew Austin was winning 100%. There's no intrigue. Yeah, as Sorry, a Michaels fan wasn't. too, I yeah. was like, I didn't care. Like, I know what's going to yeah. happen. And we weren't like necessarily like smart marks or anything. We were 12. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the fact that it was, there wasn't even fooling a 12 year old. Yeah. Like, it's like, that's with the CM Punk Cena thing. We were adults and we didn't know how that shit was going to go down. Right. That's how fucking compelling it was. Yes. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. 
I really feel like they credit where credit is due. They hit it right out of the park with this. Like it every was step like, of it, every step of it, it was compelling and interesting. And and I th- I really think people kind of sleep on this now because they always look at oh well they weren't able to hold on. They held on to it for two years, like yeah. which is crazy they for rode, them. Yeah, they rode this for a long time. Yeah, they really did. This became the centerpiece of like what the WWE was in the early 2010s. And CM like, Punk helped raise the bar for good wrestling matches in the main event, or right. at least perceived good matches, you know, because Cena had good ones. There would have been no Daniel Bryan moment years later either. It was the blueprint of how you handle the rise of a star in an internet era. I like it. Like, I remember what was so interesting. The other thing about it, too, is you'd read these, like, very not... All of a sudden, this this is the other thing that gets really overshadowed with the Cena, Cena Punk thing. Yeah. This brought in mainstream writers which was really weird for me but i remember like the articles in grantland about how good this was and like it was a big deal this was getting praise in like real press which was something that had not happened in a very long time and wrestling became this very um on the edges of real sport in a sense by what i mean by that is like the entertainment section of espn this is when that happened which meant it was relevant and like it had like talk on the early forms of Twitter and social media. Yes, and it did. People were very interested in what was going on here because it was the first time they'd figured out an angle that sort of seemed real, it even really, though yeah. everyone knew it was fake. Yeah. But it, it it blurred the line enough that it got and and the timing during like an internet time period, which a lot of the stuff we talk about can't say right. It really just all came to a head, and it worked perfectly. It got them that mainstream recognition. Yeah, that for as talented as the guy is, Wade Barrett wasn't going to get them at the time or the Nexus angle or all that other crap from like 08 to 10 that we had to endure. Manu and stuff like Ted DiBiase Jr. Yeah, just this horrible main event scene that was so stale. Yeah, you know what I mean? So boring. This changed that again, short lived, but not too short. It was a couple of years, like two or three years that they rode that wave. Yeah, you know what I mean? Into 14. It was surprisingly long. That's what she said. I think that I can put it above Austin Michaels. Sure. Yeah, I can. The, the one thing I can't give it mm-hmm. <laughs> the why I have such a problem with Gold, no. like going over Goldberg and Hogan. Why do you like hang on to this match like it's the greatest thing ever? Because to me, these moments share a certain um, television eventness to them. Yeah, and I can't say that Cena Punk went over that. Does that make sense? Like, I think they both are very cool moments. Goldberg Hogan is, like, something that's, like, burned into <sighs> my fucking brain as, like, very great. It's very good. Like <laughs> Not that good. It's foregone, kind of. Of course Goldberg's going to win. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? But it was, Not like, that great of a thing. It was, like, a fucking frenzy. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you remember back in 98? Like, yeah, how much of a fucking, like, this was, like, a mania. It was a, it was like, a big deal. It, it was, like, this was, everyone was talking about this. CM Punk versus Cena had more of a, like an underground kind of thing going on, yeah. whereas Goldberg and Hogan was more of a mainstream thing going. Like it was, it was mainstream well before. And I know Do you he, owe Goldberg money or something. No, it's just this is like a very big deal to me. It's not th- okay. Let me ask you a question: Did they fuck it up? Yes. Of did course they fuck they, up Cena Punk? In the end, they did. Two years later, yeah, but I mean, they like, fucked up Goldberg Hogan almost immediately. Not putting him on pay per view. Not putting the champion on pay per view. Not 
putting the champion on several pay-per-views. <laughs> yeah. Is this the ran- rankings of title reigns or is it the rankings of title matches? Title Quinn. matches. Well, the matches better. Is, we always have See, to pull this back fine. because you're, Cena you're, Punk thinking, is, you're Cena, thinking last Yeah, time. but you're thinking about how what this led to also. You're thinking about like what Cena Punk did and what it did for the... So you're right. doing the same thing I'm I, doing. I, I have, you just closed your ears when I talk about Goldberg well, Hogan. Well, wait a second though. I was, your when finger I, when at I me. was comparing them, I said the moment itself. Yeah, go ahead. When I compared the two, the moment itself, they're very, very similar. They're very similar. They're very like rabid fan base. Rabid fan base, like kind of this like all of a sudden it snuck up on you how big it was kind of thing. Right. Like you know what I mean? All of a sudden it was like this rush of like, this is the most important fucking moment of my life right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of like element to it yeah i think this is like a really close one i think this is like one of those like it's like a photo finish with with the horse racing or whatever you know like <laughs> it's like i don't think one beats the other by much i think cena punk is a better wrestling match i, I think do the, i agree with that but better it, but i don't think it's a bigger moment what can we say that it's the same they're similar but it's I, the same but i mean geez the goldberg thing was like that I'll never forget that like gigantic Georgia Dome fucking like backyard barbecue fucking everyone is like loving this shit. Even Cena Punk's more of a crowd of like they want it to happen, but they're also like they're smarter fans because, you know, this is a very smart mark thing that was going on here. Yeah. And it's a lot of like some of the some of it is like watching intently and then like. Seeing like, oh my god, he's gonna win. Yes, he's gonna win. Like, you know, like that shit. Nothing wrong with that. But the Goldberg Hogan thing, all I think of is like fucking beers in the air the whole way through yeah. and fucking everyone just like fucking WCW, baby. Yeah, like fucking you know, like, WCW is right. Like it's like we love this shit. And it was just like jubilant the whole way through. I'm gonna kick your butt and like all this stuff. And Hogan's a goofy heel, and like it's just a more traditional moment, let's put it that way, than the Cena Punk. The angle surrounding Cena Punk is better. It is better. Well, only actually, yes, it is. is it? Yes. Because remember, we we 100%. talked we talked about this how the Goldberg build is the is the angle, right? Yeah. The whole thing from like the cryptic shit on on like the, the B shows and all I, that. I know, I know. Yeah. But the Cena Punk storyline is great. I agree. The fallout of all of it is better. I can I can the go, match is okay, better. I could go either way on this. Well, I'm getting whole Goldberg Hogan off at number two. Okay. I'm tired of it over there. Fine. Not I, that I, I great. truly agree with that, but I don't care. How about that? How about I'm putting my foot down? Okay. For once. We'll see what the we'll see what the fans think of that one. Good. Let us know. That's fine. It's an opinion. I don't think it's better than Hogan It's not it, it can't be. Yeah. Hogan Sheik still is like right now anyway. Right now, the gold standard on this list. Yeah. For right now in terms of importance, like, magnitude. It has to be or whatever. It like, has it's to not, be. It's not because the match is just nothing but but, like, but the thing is is hogan represented something different right years of the sameness was going on years and years and years and years because 70s well yeah because all backland was was like a continuation of the bruno style and pedro style champion which was briefly interrupted by billy graham but for way too short of a period of time yeah so hogan was like the direct su- successor to a billy graham charismatic, interesting champion yeah, yeah. for once. So there's a think, lot of stake. I just stake. think we, we're going to have, um, these are kind of handcuffed now. Cena Punk, Goldberg, Hogan. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, maybe. Cena Punk, again, normally a lot of people lean towards older because older is better, right? And that's when you were a kid and you watch, but looking at it, 
I'm even surprised, but I think Cena. I don't. I'm not, I, I, don't I think I, don't, I love the. I love both the moments a lot. Yeah, me too. To me, the moments are what make both of these things. Is like they are just. There's there are two events that really are memorable to me. Agreed. And I'm not a number one CM Punk fan. I don't think the guy's the greatest thing ever. I don't think John Cena is the greatest thing ever. But, but I, it's also the best thing CM Punk ever did in WWF. Yeah, and it's probably one of the best things John Cena's ever done. Right. It's just too fucking good to not be number two right now. Okay. okay. Fair enough. All right. Wow. We actually agreed rather rather civilly. That's I don't fully agree, but I I can see it. Yeah. I it know is what it is. It is what it is. Okay. Savage Flair. <laughs> number six. I think <laughs> no, not even thinking about it. Well, I think it. <laughs> what, what, why is this even on here? Like, this is. Listen, I love Randy Savage. I so love Ric Flair. Yeah, I love the moment. Blah blah blah. But like, I mean, it's it's it, feel it, good. Honestly, the best here's it. Okay, here's the best you could do is is um literally rated against Rock Mankind, but it ain't going fucking higher than that. It's not because it's not important. No, the top four are important, and Cena Punk really is important. We talked. Right. Like, I I'll stand by that with you. I agree. Cena Punk was important because if they didn't do something like that, it would have been pretty fucking stale. I think it would have died much earlier than it already. I mean, now is you know we're hitting pretty rock bottom right well, now in, yeah. the, in the world of wrestling. But yeah, uh, depending um, on who you ask, but, yeah. Yeah, Rock and Mankind and Savage and Flair are very comparable in the sense that they're very feel-good. Right. Savage Flair had a much... Well, I don't even know if it had a much better angle, because Rock and Mankind had a good build from at least Deadly Game. Yeah, that's true. Right? I mean, there is logical, character-driven stuff happening mm. there. Seriously. What, what do you... Here's the thing. Is I could go either way again on this. I was like, do you want it to be better than Rock Mankind or not? They're both feel... They're, they're like the same kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? I think Rock Mankind is actually better. Okay. Fair I enough. think it's happier. Yeah. It's, and again, I'm going with what you want on this one because I could care less yeah, about these two <laughs> as far as best world title matches ever. Like, they are not either of that. I think Macho Man versus um, Ric Flair is a better match. It definitely is. Right? It definitely is. Yeah, of course it it's is. It's not better than Ultimate Warrior versus Macho Man the year before, though. No. I think Rock Mankind is a better moment. Okay. I think it's happier. And as happy as Savage Flair is, I st- and it's cathartic, I still think there is just something to Rock People Mankind. People really like this Rock Mankind, so I'll just give it to you guys because, I know, again, I didn't really connect with it. All I, all in my head I see is like Billy Gunn lifting. Mankind. No, no, no. Like, it's, it's like, and, I was like, I don't really understand why people think and that's okay. this is like the greatest thing that fucking ever happened. I'll but. tell you why I think people do. is because of the human element of it. The peeling behind the curtain a bit and knowing that this is Mick Foley who for yeah. 13 years had busted his ass as a wrestler and in storyline was like kind of down on his luck and got screwed. It just all the elements came together. Yeah, they I guess it, it just worked out. Right? It just worked out. It's not. Yeah. I don't even know. I guess if we were ranking happiest moments, it would be on my list. Which I'm pretty happy. It is. I don't know if it would have been on my title changes list as much as I was trying to annoy you two weeks ago with putting it above Goldberg Hogan. It's like no. I was just making let's, the show let's, fun. Okay, let's, let's, let's not. Um, <laughs> but okay, so let's leave it at this. I think Savage Flair is, is very. This f- is fine. Very happy. Now, now you can hit the music. Now I can hit the music. Yeah. All right. Let's rank it. Let's punch that button, Greg. So, still number one this week. Hogan Chic, rightfully so. Thankfully, good sense has prevailed, and at number two is John Cena versus CM Punk for Money in the Bank 11. Mm. Deservedly so. Number three, Goldberg. Very close. Hogan. Yeah, very, very close. close. Uh-huh. Let's let's not act like it isn't close. It's close, all right? Number three, Goldberg Hogan. Number four, Austin Michaels. 
five rock mankind and six savage flair. Why is this on this list? Why are the last two on this list? <laughs> hey, rock mankind is fond, yeah. fondly remembered. Uh, savage, savage flair. I don't know about, but folks, you let us know what you think. Let us know your rankings. Let us know what's better, what's the best. Do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, it is down to our comfort zone. We go WWF superstars of wrestling. That'll be coming up right after this. And I remember locking up with John and like he was doing an appearance. So like we couldn't talk about the match and I, I hated talking about matches anyway. It's like John Cena, you know what he does. He does the five things and like, that's it. So if you can't figure that out, you know, you're in trouble. But, and I remember Mike Kyoto was the referee and I remember locking up with John and like grabbing a headlock and taking him over and you know, I'm happy just to sit there a minute and like kind of get the lay of the land. And he started going, tackle drop down, hip toss. And he starts like calling all this shit. And I was just like. <laughs> and I remember just looking over at Kyoto and I go, Mike, who the fuck's calling this match? <laughs> and he, he did, he, he's, he's laughing so hard. He was like trying to hide his face. And John just went, oh, okay. And I think. <laughs> I think John was stoked that he didn't have to be that guy directing traffic. And I just, he let me do whatever the fuck I wanted. So I think he was relieved. But I also think that's how we work together really well, you know? Because I was, I mean, you talk about, I, I never like to take credit for shit. Because um, at the end, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But I was the first guy to be like, why does everybody always take their shoulder? Like, you know what the fuck's going to happen. Like, why do you let him do this to you without fucking kicking him in the head? So, like, it was really, like, I, I broke down the John Cena comeback, like, in a logical way, and he was just kind of like, this, this is great. How come nobody's ever done this before, you know? Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF. It might be WCW. It could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's episode 225. Quinn, we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And I want to remind everyone, right, we're taking requests. Oh, we're taking them. We're absolutely taking requests. You can just go to our Facebook group. Remember, facebook.com slash friends? Yeah, that site. It's a good site. <laughs> go to that site. And there's an announcement post where we're asking for specific episode requests. And we're going to do our best to just chip through your requests as we go on in into infinity and beyond. Even. Oh yes, infinity and beyond. That's an important. It's very important aspect to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so this one comes by way of good old wrestling man. We're talking about maybe the first OVP fan. One of the first, literally. Ever. Yeah. Bill Yankovi. Oh, there he is. The, one of the nicest men, and he has a wrestling podcast that he's be do, been doing forever. I think about forty years he's been doing it. I think it was it's just about forty years. About it forty years. About right. Yeah, yeah. That wrestling show. Bill Yankovi is a member of the group. He's a great guy, and he wanted us to review Quinn WWF Superstars of Wrestling, June thirtieth, ninety. So odd period. I'm going to say it right off the gate mm -hmm. here. 
Superstars is great. We love Superstars because it's very well paced always, right? It's not a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, right. No. It's very easy to watch. Even when it's not good, it's easy, right? Yeah. But June 30th, 1990 is an odd no man's land because we're almost three months after WrestleMania 6, right. but we're still about two months away from SummerSlam 90. And we're in that weird chasm where the golden era that as we know it at WrestleMania 6 is kind of fading away. Oh, yeah. It is fading. But we're not quite into whatever the hell later. Yeah, whatever 91 is. Yeah, exactly. So it's just an odd period of time, and we're going to see what's going on. So without any further ado, it's WWF Superstars Wrestling, June 30th, 1990, Michael. And we're back to a well-paced show, not to mention not 1993-related, which I'm excited about. So (laughs) let's let's do it. Let's do it. So we're here at the Broome County Arena in Binghamton, New York. Broome County. So I imagine this is a dust-free show. Very good. Um, uh, Vince McMahon is in his powder blue jacket, by the way. And Jesse Ventura, they welcome us. Jesse has a camo jacket, no goatee. Here is Jesse the body Ventura. You notice, McMahon, how the crowd chants Jesse every time there's a patriotic holiday. Is this Jesse's last episode? Because it seems like he's getting all peppy out there. It um, seems really late for him. He is actually on Superstars until August 8th. Teeth, I want to say oh, wow. it is off the top of that my head. Late, huh? He's there until right before SummerSlam. That's crazy. If he could have just hung on, we wouldn't have had to deal with Roddy Piper at SummerSlam. <laughs> Do you think that's when the when the talks about the union and all that shit started around then? The reason he left was actually due to licensing over a Sega Genesis video game. Right, yes. Wound up not that, being released until recently. That was recently. like the last straw. Yeah, yeah, something like that. But uh, we get the generic Superstars intro now. I never liked it. It's not as good as the first one. Yeah, with the electric blob. and It's just... <laughs> it's terrible. not that... It's like... Yeah, they would use this forever. Yeah, it's not that good. Anyway, Vince runs down the action. No spoilers, of course. And we go down to ringside where Mel Phillips is unfortunately our ring announcer tonight. The whole way through. Still works there? Oh, he's there until 92. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Rick Rude's music hits and Bobby Heenan leads him down. Now, the brain has that... You know that pink shirt like the v-neck yeah chest hair shirt Not the one that's like wow what a skinny <laughs> yeah, bastard yeah, he looks yeah. very sleek very used car salesman or like rolex in a trench coat yeah anyway he comes out with rick root um root has the short hair already by the way and his opponent quinn it's jimmy powers that up and comer yeah. hi yeah he's all like hey i'm here i'm yeah. gonna win now this is it this is it. i got it now cut the music what Rude would like to have right now is for all those fat out of shape new york nitwits <laughs> they need to keep that noise down yeah. because he's good or whatever what i'd like to have right now is for all you fat out of shape new york nitwits keep the noise down wasn't rude also on this way out? <laughs> yeah, and soon. Th- things are changing, sadly. Huh? Sadly, yeah, yeah. He'd be gone by October. So uh, we get a bell, lock up, side hook by Powers, shove off, and a shoulder block by Jimmy. Off the ropes again, drop down by Rude, back up, and he tosses Powers to the outside. Rude poses, and Jimmy Powers hops back on and drop kicks Rude right in the kisser. Very nice up and comer offense, I'd say. Yeah. Drop yeah. kicks, you know, hi, I'm flying around. Hi, I'm here. Hi. A uh, big happy body slam by Powers, and now Rude wants to box for some reason. Because he, he has his training. <laughs> yes, right? yeah. exactly right. Uh, we get an insert promo now from Bobby and Rude, which is very serious. Fuck Warrior, yes, basically. <laughs> Fuck the Ultimate Warrior. Rude punches Powers down in the meantime. It's all very routine. It's very routine, yes. Uh, Howard Finkel butts in to remind us of the July 2nd show, which just sounds horrible. 
Yeah, go away. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of Finkel butting in. I think I'm like, it's the compounding of 1983 when he always like comes in at like the wrong time. <laughs> well, the big show we have coming up on July 2nd, you know, and yeah. it, he just sounds so high pitched in these too. Yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, just enough is enough already. We got the big stars there. Quinn, Hillbilly Jim, mm-hmm. <laughs> Orient Express. Yeah. And Fink says the long arm of the law, big boss man. But isn't he more like the final stage of the oh, law? Yeah, he is. He's like when you're. This is like the last step before they rehabilitate you or yeah. whatever. Like he's like the anus of the law. Like yeah. he's at the end of the thing. Or he's like the tip of the finger if the if the arm's uh, long. Yeah. He's at the very end of right. it. Right. He's the fingernail of the yeah. law. That's a good catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Anyway, body slammed by a rude, and he goes all the way up top. Weird. Yeah, he doesn't do that often. Yeah. And he, he hits this hideous leg drop. It's bizarre looking. I think it's a botch. Like Powers looks legit. Like out of it. Yeah. I think something messed up. But anyway, rude awakening gets the win. Again, it's all very routine. Extremely. What a weird opener. Power said something to Rude as he was getting pinned. Maybe is WCW hiring? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But now from the pages of WWF Magazine, here's Update. And this one, Quinn, is brought to us by WrestleFeast90. Yeah, that hot tape. <laughs> that <laughs> is, it's going to fill you up. That is the one, by the way, folks, if you've never seen it, where Mooney literally says WrestleFeast way too many times. Whole, it's a feast. Now let me give you a little taste of this Russell feast we have cooked up for you. And our main course in this Russell feast. So pull up a seat and get ready for the feast. This next dish is a main course on any dinner table. Well that brings us to the end of this wrestling feast. You know what would have worked if he was wearing like a dinner napkin around his neck? Yeah. And like a fork and knife? Well, that should have been near Survivor Series <laughs> yeah. also if they were well, going to do it. Because it's time for turkey, obviously. Yeah. Anyway, we're here with Mean Gene in the All-American Room and he shows off his... Hulk Hogan friendship bracelet. I want to barf. He was away for like a month or two. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> serious, I'm done with this. I know. Now, folks, just so you know, in case you forgot, this is when Earthquake attacked him on the Brother mm-hmm. Love show, sat on him, and now Hogan's very sad. This and is doesn't like, know if he wants to come back. Matilda on steroids. This it's the angle. same thing. Yeah. You're Make sure to right. send us your address or whatever <laughs> we can send you a catalog and by the way hogan has no friends for the record we yeah, know that's no friends yeah <laughs> no one likes him yeah anyway but he's feeling better it's gonna take a lot of time gene says so we now cut to tugboat in a green screen locker room for some reason i think he's at the dinner table honestly <laughs> oh. that's what the green screen's for he's getting ready for that wrestle feast anyway yeah. tugboat says he's so proud that his chest is stuck out so far well that and being fat will yeah. do okay, it okay great <laughs> Basically, he says that Hogan is great and he's going to come back, but, you know, people need to get a catalog first. And he reads a letter from 10-year-old Colin Hager from California, and Colin says that he's going to wear that bracelet until Hogan comes back, and he's taking his vitamins every day. This is real, and they wonder why we started to hate Hulk. (laughs) Like, this is this is very exemplary of, like, annoying Hulk. Like, too much. This is just, it's, it's, it's gone on too much. I know. Next up, we have a letter from young Tony Chiricetti. Okay, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> Tugboat continues. He didn't write to Hulk. Probably not in 1990. Yeah. No, maybe in 88 or something. Yeah. Tugboat continues now to ask people to sign up for shit before making his questionable tugboat noise. It's all terrible. <laughs> toot, toot. Or yeah, but it's he like E-E the yeah, way he says it. That's weird. Dude, we got clips of fans now. Mm-hmm. Some doofus kid. He's like, I want Hogan to come back and beat Earthquake. And then I love it. Some like Long Island, New York women. They want him to leave. Fuck Hulk. He's not going to. He's going to get hurt again. <laughs> like, Why is he going to come back? I don't think he should come back. He's just going to get hurt again by Very the Earthquake. Long Island. It's awesome. I think Hulk was hurt really bad. I don't think he should wrestle anymore. Because the next time something worse could happen. Can I get a ride? <laughs> Kata. Can I get a ride, Kata? Anyway, we get the comeback Hulk screen. 
Yeah, yuck. <laughs> P.O. Box 911, Venice, California, of course, yeah, conveniently. Do, 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 well, they, they're trying to trick you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> 90294. Uh, anyway, back to ringside, we're the amazing team. This is so good. Iron Mike Sharp and Bob Bradley are introduced. Team 1983, they're here. It's good. It's good! They're literally like representative of 1983. I love it, Quinn, yes. Their opponents are the Bushwhackers. Uh, I'm rooting hard for Team 83. I love the Bushwhackers, but yeah. I mean, this is this is a moment this right is, here. This is the big deal, folks. Yeah. So Jesse, of course, calls them the Marching Morons and says that what they actually do is called power walking in L.A. and a lot of old women do it. What? I, I don't think he's wrong about that at that period of time, but anyway. Aww. no. The referee is young, Mike Kyoto. We get some woeing and yang to start. But first, here's Fink to plug <laughs> Hogan's July 14th appearance at the World's Gym. And we're happy to announce that Hulk Hogan feels confident that he is going to make a personal appearance on Saturday, July 14th at the World's Gym. He should have said, don't be a dumbbell, don't wait. Oh, come on. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Bradley starts with Butch runs right into him. It's very sad. Now, while Luke poses, Sharp tags in and attacks from behind. Right. He tries to hit Butch in the corner, but he nails Bradley instead. It's also sad. Oh, come on, guys. Yeah. Both whackers in now. Double clothesline, double clothesline again. Backdrop on Sharp. Jesse complains about the double teaming. Right, of course. Bradley and Sharp have a big hug outside to regroup. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Bradley's in now. Gets punched a lot by Luke. Charged by Luke. Bradley with a knee. All right. Body slam by Bo. And a headbutt. And good. 1983's most improved Bob, on display. Bob Bradley? Bo Bradley, yes. But, <laughs> 100%. We love him. Yeah. We started out like Larry Sharp dropped him off in 82. We're like, what is this? Yeah. Now he's a hero. He's one of the top guys in the company. He's so good. Yeah, he's very good. Anyway, big rights by Bo Irish. Whoop, dug under by Luke. Big flying clothesline tag to Butch. Battering ram and some nice marching by the bushwhacker. Fucking fuck. Yeah. Damn it. Double stomach breaker gets the win. Good, nice length there. That's what she said. Now, the bushwhackers have a big celebration while Jesse bitches about all the double teaming. He's right. <laughs> like, it's not, he's not lying. I know. It's, it's very bad. Like, I'm just saying. And Vince is like, oh, it's fine, Jesse. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what do you mean it's fine? <sighs> anyway, we now throw it to Sean Mooney. Eh? For the event center. Ew, ew, big show in Boston Garden. Uh, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Saturday at 8 o'clock, of course, in the Boston Garden. And we're going to have Mr. Perfect defending against Brutus Beefcake. The Bushwhackers take on Rhythm and Blues. Nick- when <laughs> The Bolsheviks explode when it's Nikolai Volkov. The match versus everyone Porky. wanted to see. They were completely irrelevant when they were together. Like, <laughs> now- Remember what, like, Slick is just suddenly not with them anymore? Because <laughs> they're so boring. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not doing this shit. Nobody cares. <laughs> this one's interesting. Akeem, still there, versus Hercules. Still there. And, yeah, <laughs> really. And Hillbilly Jim versus Haku. But first, here's Earthquake to cut a promo. And Earthquake very nicely yells that Jimmy Hart has bought Hogan some flowers because he's got heart. What a face. So nice. Yeah, see? Yeah. How could you say Jimmy Hart's a mean guy? He uh, bought Hogan flowers. He always loved Hulk. Can I ask a question? What? Would Bobby Heenan buy Hogan flowers? No. Would Mr. Fuji? Well, Bobby Heenan's cheap. <laughs> if Mr. Fuji would buy flowers, but they'd also be poisonous. Yeah, because like, uh, uh, yeah, it always a trick. Would Slick buy flowers? No. No. Only, <laughs> only Jimmy Hart, folks. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Earthquake now says, fuck Jim Duggan, by the way. I'm going to kick his ass. And also, he's a cheater. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, he... not, it's not inaccurate. Earthquake's the best. Also, fuck that two by four. Mm-hmm. Now, Hillbilly Jim, ha, is here to talk about how he's fighting Haku, right? He's like, Haku, you're actually good, but you're former tag team champion, but you never faced a country boy like me, and I have a big foot, and I can punch. 
How the hell is he still booked in 1990? <laughs> but all, the the funny thing is, I still like him. Oh, I love Hillbilly Jim. I don't even think he's like. He's Hillbilly fine. Jim is like really a weirdly underrated character. Well, because he's always over. Yeah. The dance is good with the theme music. Yeah. And people get happy. I know. And he's big and he's believable. He is. And like, he's nice. Yeah. I like, I could never understand like why they... It's like they just never really pushed him. Well, they didn't like, need to. I'm just you know saying. What I mean? It's just they never even really gave him a shot. Only in like 85. But then he, remember he legit broke his leg or something. Right, and then so they just stopped it. after that. And they just to, never tried again. It's because that he broke his leg. We had to deal with Uncle Elmer and Cousin Luke and all those people. We should have only ever had to deal with Hillbilly Jim because he's the good version of that. Yes, he's literally the only good one out of yeah. them. And they, like I said, they could have turned him heel and he would have been fucking awesome. If he was a heel? Yeah, he yeah like as a biker heel. or whatever. Absolutely. That like shit would have been amazing. Yeah. But he's very replacement. He always feels like somebody isn't in the company oh, anymore. No, he is no doubt on this card because somebody got Somebody. Yes, yeah, so yeah. anybody. I don't know or who. didn't show or something. Exactly. Uh, and he says something about hand bones. Anyway, go to the Boston Garden on the 14th. Mm-hmm. Back to ringside where... Boris Zukov heads down the aisle by himself. Still here. Oh, he's there, Quinn. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the rare Boris singing the national anthem. Ugh, he sings. It's worse than Nicholas. So this is horrible. <laughs> Horrible. It's not even the same like word. can't even do it good. I know we could do it better than that. We're not going to. Yeah. But we could. Mm. We could do it. Yeah. You want to do it? No, I don't. No. Okay. Uh, anyway, the referee is Freddie Sparta, maybe. Uh, Boris's opponent isn't even introduced, but it's Brady Boone, who has a very crappy blue singlet. It's very poor. Is this even the <laughs> real Brady Boone? It doesn't look like him. I know. Like, I thought uh, the same uh, thing. Uh, the whole match, I'm like, is this just some other guy called Brady Boone? He doesn't look like Brady Boone. His attire is very strange, and he just doesn't look right. I don't, but he doesn't have a mustache or whatever Brady Boone has. Doesn't he beard, have a beard? Usually, yeah. yeah. But he wrestles like Brady Boone. That I could see. Uh, punches. I by, don't think this was Bra- the it's Brady. Brady Boone. Boone. I think it's a second Brady Boone. The other Brady Boone. This is the other Brady Boone. That's the way they became the Brady Boone. It's one of those like Ultimate Warrior situations where everyone thinks he's a different person. Oh, maybe it's Kerry Von Erich. Yeah. Anyway, punches by Boris Boone with a quick, quick go behind roll up for two, and then a small package for two. Sunset flip by Boone gets two. Back up, big kick by Boone. Irish whip, drop kick, misses. And now Boris with some horrible stomps off the ropes as Fink butts in again to bother us this time about a show at the John F. Kennedy Center. Who the hell is John F. Kennedy? <laughs> Tree of woe, man, by Boris, and it all stinks. It's all very boring, and we hear the hum of sweetened booze playing, like which means, you know what it was? Everyone's no, everyone, nothing. There was nothing in the crowd, yeah. People were running for the toilet. Yeah. Anyway, Boris tosses Boone to the floor, and we sadly cut to a promo from Boris now. Basically, he hates the 4th of July, and he says Nikolai won't be able to celebrate it. Fucking awful. Awful. Corner whip by Boris. Charge misses Boone with the back flip off the top, but Boris catches him from behind with a clothesline and gets the win. What a weird ending. Yeah. Just, like, very abrupt. I know. And then uh, Boris takes off his boot for no reason, and Mel got, Phillips got, climbs back in. <laughs> All right, I made that up. but uh, <laughs> Gotta got beat him up more, though, or yeah. whatever this is. So he whips Boone in, into the post hits him with a boot Vince gets all upset can we end this can, we, can he get out of my of my screen here yeah it'd be nice now jesse rightfully as usual points out that when duggan uses a two by four vince loves it right but boris uses a boot Vince, oh my god jesse it was after the match too it wasn't even like yeah it wasn't even like during the wrestling part you ever noticed that vince never has an answer when jesse that's says he always ignores him yeah that's because jesse always pokes holes in vince's logic 
at least always. Gorilla tries to say something, right, yeah. even when Gorilla's wrong. Gorilla just says bullshit back. Yeah, like, but yeah. So that's why like Vince Gorilla doesn't attempt it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, like Gorilla and Jesse get along that way yeah. because Gorilla at least will they be like, well, that's because he's good or whatever. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like it, like with no fucking explanation, yeah, but no it's reason. just as illogical as the heel <laughs> right. explanation. Gorilla so. just be like, well, I like it, Jess. How yeah. about that? <laughs> You, know? oh, you got to do what you got to <laughs> yeah, do. Or right, like, right. It's always like something like that. Yeah, it's survival, Jess. Survival monster. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they banter about it. Vince just ignores them. Yeah. He's got nothing to say. Anyway, to the event center again, where Sean Mooney hypes up the Boston show again. Encounter, he says, as a lot of other puns <laughs> oh, are, are listed. Uh, it's, it's all bad. There's a lot of puns in this one. Encounter. Mm, Anyway, it's July 14th, so Beefcake will definitely be there as long as he doesn't go parasailing. Mm-hmm. We now get a promo from Nikolai, and he says that uh, he was the Russian champion. Was he? And <laughs> Is that even a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I didn't stop to ponder that, yeah. but I don't think so. And at that time, he thought he was the strongest man in the world, but fuck Boris Zukov for calling him a traitor, because now he has more power than ever before. I need to mention that his background is just the WWF logo, which immediately <laughs> makes him seem minor. Like, like, I'm just saying. You're absolutely right, though. Like, why is there no, like... Oh, because they can't put the Soviet flags behind him because he's, like, technically not that or something. They could have put an American flag. What they needed was the Soviet Union to fully collapse so the Russian flag so that he could use that, the, the like, red, white, and blue one. Right, yeah, that's like, true. That's what he needed, but he couldn't even get that. What if they just put David Hasselhoff on the wall behind him? Yeah, that something had happened. like that. Yeah. It happened already. Anyway, let's go to Rhythm and Blues now with a very happy promo as they shittily play guitar, of course, to start. Yep. And they call out their eternal rivals, the Bushwhackers. Valentine's like, I'm happy now because I got a hit. Yeah, it's all wonderful. Jimmy is all proud and double trouble, baby. (laughs) Double trouble, baby. I like them as a team. I love double trouble. I like them whether they wear the gear or not, like whether it's double trouble or rhythm and blues. Fan. They're always. I know people have an issue with this team. I'm a fan now. I like it because at least it broke up the monotony of Greg Valentine's career for a brief fleeting moment. It's just for like a couple of months. Yeah, he went back to regular hammer. Everyone can calm down. He like still is that now. Yeah. And honky was always honky. Yeah. So it all works out. Just a way to make them more close. Yes. You know? And in case anyone, because people might not know, the Double Trouble reference, folks, there's this thing where in 89, when they started teaming, Mm -hmm. you you see them team at like WrestleMania 5 and all that, Jimmy Hart, and only Jimmy Hart, tried (laughs) to get their nickname over as Double Trouble. Yeah, it's a great name. It is. But none of the announcers ever picked up on it. Remember when Ian didn't believe us on this? Riccoboni? Yeah. Yes, it's true. He was like, I've never heard this before. And then we're like, "Here, it's on shows. Like, they say it a lot. It really is. Every Jimmy promo from that period, before their Rhythm and Blues, he says it. Double Trouble, baby! It's real! Like, it's it's 100% their name. Yeah. Also, this is actually important in case you were ever wondering. Rhythm and Blues flat out tells us that Honky has the rhythm... Okay. And Valentine has the blues. Oh, it's finally clarified yes. since WrestleMania 6, huh? Right? It's very good to know that. I did yeah. not know that. Now, mm-hmm. is Honky the captain, right? Yeah. He is. He is. I mean, former Econel champion for the longest well, time. Yeah, true. Valentine's a no slouch, though. I know. He's had both the tag and, mm-hmm. and, and the Intercontinental, but Honky had the Intercontinental more, you say, so <laughs> he's the captain. Okay, fine. Uh, Mooney says encounter twice and makes a eh, rhythm of blues using their percussion section. Just shut up. <laughs> Just shut the fuck up, Mooney. Rhythm and Blues set for this encounter against the Bushwhackers, Luke and Butch, and the Honky Tonk Man and Greg the Hammer Valentine plan to rely heavily on their percussion section. This is why Quinn doesn't like Sean Mooney. 
it's so frustrating after like listen i love mooney i really i really do like him i do like him but like when i'm watching here's the weird part about mooney when you're reviewing a show you can't not say how horrible you have to just point these things out it's It's not like we hate him it's not like we're like oh fuck sean mooney it's just like it's so lame it's it's it is really like it especially when you see like a good promo and then he like adds his little exclamation point on the end you're just like don't ruin it please just (laughs) shut the fuck up i don't don't and they will be encountering them in the drum section, or you know, like I, just stop. This could be a symbol of their victory. Yeah, you know, it's just like, hopefully they don't catch a snare. Like, yeah, it's like <laughs> just go away, please. <laughs> See, I could have written for these. Yeah. Anyway, back to ringside, which says a lot. Uh, back to ringside, where Vince now sends us down to Cobb County. This might be the highlight of the show, Quinn. It's, it's wonderful. Where Ted DiBiase <laughs> is wandering around Big Boss Man's high school football field. With his old coach. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, this guy, for the record, looks like Outback Jack's dad. It's amazing because he's very clearly like a character actor. Oh, of course. Like, it's, yeah. like, it's, not, it's not his real coach. No, of course in any not. Way. And basically, this big fella says that boss man was a shitty football player. couldn't hit. He calls him a dunce. <laughs> yeah, a dunce. Like Ted DiBiase, I think, says yeah. this. Like, big and, boss man's a dunce. A dunce. <laughs> it's amazing. And by the way, DiBiase, just because I love his wardrobe when he's not Casual in his, attire. Yes. Yeah. He's got like a nectarine colored shirt <laughs> and polo shirt it's amazing by the way virgil's just there for some reason just lurking yeah. of course and uh the coach is like boss man was a water boy and he just shits all this over him this is so good this is really like, good it's so funny because there's other than like there's just no fucking reason for this to happen no like other than ted dibiase is a big asshole that's all it is uh, I love it's amazing how, you know i actually forgot because they don't ever show these on the pay-per-views and stuff yeah but dibiase would do this in feuds with Bossman. He did it with Tito Santana in like 91 or two. He'd just go on location. Yes. Like wherever they live, he'd like find somebody in their town that didn't like them or something. It's or so- like, not even that. Like, it's actually implied that it's not even that these people didn't like them. It's that they're willing to sell out to Ted DiBiase and change their mind about somebody right, because, right. because he paid them. Correct. Yeah. Now, very brief tangent on Ted DiBiase, okay? You and I have commented on how maybe he doesn't always have really good pay-per-view matches. Right. Because he doesn't. There are in a lot of very good Ted DiBiase pay-per-view matches in WWF, right. right? But is he not one of the greatest characters of all time? 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's all. Anyway, <laughs> DiBiase repeatedly calls Bossman a hick and then cackles before we go back to ringside. So fucking evil. What an asshole. I love it. This is peak asshole, DiBiase. <laughs> so mean. Yeah, he is absolutely very mean. In the ring now, we have Dale Wolf and his rusty mustache. It's poor. <laughs> it's very poor. And by the way, his name is now Dale because there's another guy in the name oh, in the right. company with the name Dusty. Now Tugboat's stupid music hits and he charges honk, out. Honk. <laughs> he charges out and shows off his friendship bracelet. Which is unfortunate because honestly, I was kind of pumped when he came out. His music's very, I like his, his music. His music's good, you're right. It's very it like really riles up the crowd, but then he like Hulk Hogan friendship and you're like, ugh. It just makes him seem lame. It makes him seem lesser. Yes. You know what I mean? That's that, all. That's the problem. It's like, actually, I have no problem with Tugboat personally. I like, other than his, his friendship with Hulk Hogan. I like Tugboat. I like Typhoon. Yeah. I like Fred Ottman in general. Right. I really do. He's very just lovable. He's grown on me, especially yeah. over the last few years. But it's like, it's like when this whole I'm Hulk Hogan's friend and I'm going to kiss his butt stuff is bad. It sucks. Yeah. Anyway, it's no wonder he gets so much better when he's tugboat or not uh, when he's typhoon. Well, because earthquakes is true friend. Anyway, that's an actual friendship where both of them take care of each other. Didn't they like each other in real life too? It seems I like think it. they really did. Yeah. 
Referee is Joe Dirt. I don't know. I don't know the guy's name. Go behind my wolf. No, doesn't work. Insert promo now from Dino Bravo, who immediately, like the second word out of his mouth is earthquake. Go the fuck away. Seriously, <laughs> he is so stupid. Dino Bravo. This is the era of Bravo that you really hate, right? Oh, he is just earthquake crony. <laughs> like 90, just awful. If we don't like Tugboat for being a Hulk crony, yeah. we can't like Dino Bravo for being an earthquake crony. Because his whole existence is predicated on earthquake yeah. in 90, right? It's, it's so bad. And then you said it in our test episode from 2016. You're like, he thinks he's the leader. <laughs> he's not. He's very much not. You know what I don't like about him? What? He's like an earthquake-like... Goon. Yeah, yeah. And like, but the problem with that is is that he like he thinks he's the like leader of the you group. Think? Yes, it, it's very obvious actually. And then he had this promo by saying that Tugboat can't even read. Be nice. Like <laughs> can we? Like what was that? Like he added that at the ver because I couldn't even understand what he was saying. He was like, ha and he can't read. And like then it just like he like fades away. Like Good. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> So Wolf tries to jump off the top, but gets caught in a nice bear hug and slammed down by the tugger. Toot toot. That's right. Irish whip by boat. Sunset flip by Wolf <laughs> doesn't work, of course, and we get a big fat sit by Uncle Fred. Body slam by Tuggy. Second rope on the inside and a huge big splash gets the win. Toot toot. Perfect length on that squash, mm -hmm. right? Wonderful. Now Tugboat puts on his hat and leaves. It's very pleasant. <laughs> like yeah. All of that was very pleasant, other than Dino Bravo. Tugboat is, such, Tugboat is such a gentleman, isn't yeah. he? You're right. He's so nice. He's so nice. It's a shame that like Hulk Hogan takes advantage of him. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's like, and he doesn't even let him be in his corner at SummerSlam. Yeah. He's like, you suck. I want the boss, man. Fucking Hulk Hogan. Ugh. Vince reminds us, come back, Hogan. We need your address, damn it. <laughs> it's like, shut up. Next, we have a rather nondescript brother love show. This is weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I was excited for this, but it's not that good. As soon as I see who it is, I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Mr. Perfect. Right. And Bobby Heenan, they're proudly there. Perfect says that he's the perfect IC champion. He has the perfect manager. Perfect, perfect. Yep. Bobby's like, yeah, that's true. And Bobby says, look, if you're going to have a son, would you want it to look like Brutus Beefcake with the ripped tights and the mediocre physique? Not to mention... What a package. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention a dubious inner circle. Right. I said that, not Bobby. Oh, uh, any, anyway, no, you'd want your kid to look like Mr. Perfect. And Brother Love happily agrees. Oh, yes. You it's know, all, It's all very nice. Yeah, whatever. Right. Perfect also says, who cares about cutting my hair? You're missing the point, Beefcake. The IC title, which he's fair on that one. That's fine. Like, fuck, yeah. shut the fuck up with the haircuts already. Yeah. It, it has been a while. Like, at first, like, in late 87, it was kind of fun, but, like... It's been three years! It, it, it's over, man. Enough with the haircuts! I'd say about 89, it was time to convert to something else. Right! Like, well, he did, kind of. He was like, I like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan's the best. <laughs> like, that's what he became. Yeah, good point. Perfect says that he's the greatest wrestler of all time and modern times. Mm -hmm. Seems kind of redundant. This whole era feels like the summer of Hulk Hogan butt kissers. It is. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. No, that's literally what it is. And people wonder why Warrior didn't get over his champion. Right. Also, Perfect says, do you know when Beefcake is going to cut his hair and win the IC belt? When? Never. Oh, okay. And that's true for both. That is true. Anyway, we now get a quick SummerSlam promo where the heat will, in fact, return. This promo was weird because it was Gene yelling <laughs> instead of Vince. It's <laughs> yeah. like, SummerSlam! <laughs> Gene's, what a package. Gene's yelling voice, like doing the Vince spot, doesn't work. It, it's very odd. SummerSlam, it'll be great. Like, yeah. It sounds all weird. It'll be great. It'll be great. Seamer Slam. Five for SummerSlam. The heat returns live Monday night, August 27th. Listen. 
I know I'm not some genius podcast audio producer editor fancy pants ass wipe like you, but I can safely say this would all be better if it didn't sound like a cat was farting its way through WWF superstars. Yeah. Anyway, back to ringside where Black Bart is in the ring because 1990. The rare. Yeah, he's only there in 90. This. I don't yeah. know why. They just figured, ah, fuck it, let's bring him in. Yeah. Dusty's music, Dusty Rhodes' music, now hits to a great pop. Well, now I'm a little happier. Yeah. Dusty always makes me happy. I'll tell you what, man. He happily charges out with Sapphire. No shirt crowd loves it. Huge pop. They're over as fuck. That's the one thing, man. I yeah. know people complain, oh, how could they do this to a legend? La, 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 la. Yeah. People loved him, and would, he didn't have to do anything. Great run. It's brief. Other than the coat at the end. It's well, very sad for Dusty. <laughs> the coat, I know. Danny Davis now talks to Sapphire as Fink butts in to annoy us again. Fucking stop! <laughs> Enough already. We, we he's he's butted in in every match. Now I've rhetorically asked this before, but Richard, when did this stop? Yeah, ninety one, ninety two. It's I'm, so ridiculous. After they, a certain point, yeah. Like, please, Richard, tell us. Yeah. When did they stop doing it? Do you know? Yeah. If anyone would know, it'd be Richie. Very poor. Anyway, lock up in a wrist lock and an elbow by Dusty. This is like a WCW Worldwide match, by the way. Black Bart and Dusty Rhodes. Like, seriously. It's very What, what, we, what is this, Saturday night? Yeah, like, like 86 or something. Yeah, yeah. Another wrist lock. Elbows again by Dusty. More elbows by Dusty. Bart goes down. Big body slam by Dusty. Is Randy Savage and Sherry, mm. they appear for a promo now. But Randy Savage has a very special present for Sherry, and he happily tells her to go open it while he poses. <laughs> yeah, and she, like, takes it. You know what my favorite part is what? when he gives it to her? She, like, storms away, and you can hear her off camera. She's like, ah! Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yep. Like, like, it's amazing and and then Macho Man's like better than the best yeah. <laughs> no reason yeah good. I'm the best <laughs> fuck you Dusty Rhodes like that shit it's good I don't even know like what was that gift part it didn't make any sense like and Sherry just like going goo goo over it no idea yeah. unless it's a subtle hint about the million dollar man helping them out too maybe I, I don't, don't know, know. Anyway, big punches by Dusty in the corner, whipping another elbow. As Vince suddenly wonders if Black Bart is related to Bart Simpson. <laughs> this is just fucking stupid. What, what even was that That's line? one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Jess, do you think he's related to Bart Simpson? Yeah, like, <laughs> what? The fuck is, his, is that? Is his last name Simpson? <laughs> is he a cartoon character? Yeah, I know. What the fuck? <laughs> now, all of that didn't make any sense. And why would they be related when their first names are Bart? Did Jesse even respond? I hope not. Well, and he shouldn't have. so bad. Why did he ask if he related to Bart Furley? Yeah. Look that one up, folks. Anyway, mm-hmm. elbow drop. Elbow drop by Dusty gets the win. Good. An elbow drop? I'm fine with it. Bi- <laughs> it's very bionic. Yeah. You have to remember. You're right. Polka dots not Quinn, like I said. At least he never had to work hard in the WWF. He, I'm sure he appreciated he, that. The common man for so long. I mean, this is like a vacation. He had a lot of fun. It looked like I don't know how happy he I was or it. not. I, I'm not sure. Probably I didn't not get very. To work but with Macho and Sherry. That I think everyone liked. It was so fun. Yeah. But anyway, Rhodes and Sherry happily dance now as Jesse says that Paula Abdul told Jesse that uh, Sapphire and Dusty's dancing sucks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, last week, Quinn, just last week, we were informed that Demolition now has crush and sucks. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's happened. This is the end of Demolition. They're pretty much junky now. <laughs> it's real. And No, you're right. So we go back to last week and we get a clip of Crush wandering out with them. I hate it. <laughs> I'm glad Jesse was at least around long enough to witness this. He was all excited, and I don't really know why. They have Crush, McMahon. <laughs> what? Their opponents were the <laughs> Paul Diamond and Joe Champ. Right, Joe Champ. I love Joe Champ. Is, he's very junky looking. Yeah, yeah it's great. Uh, we clipped to Crush doing the axe part of their finisher, you know, mm-hmm. while Axe himself manages on the outside. The mass superstar, you mean? Yeah, eating some sushi. To the demos now for a promo where Crush is holding the tag belt. He didn't earn it. <laughs> Why is he holding it? He's holding both of them, which is 
even more aggravating. And he says, when opportunity knocks, I kick the stinking door in. Well, you could say mm, part of that again. Neat. Smash says that they're great, whatever. It doesn't matter. They don't matter anymore. It's very sad. It's like immediately once Crush shows up, they're irrelevant. I know, it's sad, Quinn. To the Heart Foundation now, where Brett bitches about his- Yo, I want to know the legal ramifications with Jack Tunney. You know, this sucks ass. This isn't fucking fair. They're screwing me. Yep. I'd like to ask Jack Tunney what the legal ramifications are of this one. Anvil gets all worked up as usual. Brett has to calm him down as we yep. fade away. That was funny. Back to ringside, where even Jesse Ventura agrees with the Heart Foundation. <laughs> He's like, it's tag, I gotta agree with the Heart Foundation, yep. McMahon. It's mm-hmm. tag wrestling, two on two. Well, there you go. Mark, he is consistent. He is consistent. I'll give him that. Mark Thomas is now introduced, looking like he's going to lose. Looking like a one, two, three kid reject. Hi! Awful. His opponent storms out, Quinn. It's the earthquake with his very nice manager, Jimmy Hart. The nicest manager in all of wrestling. He's a face. Bell lock up, pushed to the corner by Quake. Uh, referee is Freddie Sparta, I think. Drop kick by Thomas does nothing. Big clothesline by earthquake. Insert promo now from Jim Duggan, who has a bunch of Hogan bracelets on his two by four. Please stop. Please. Another crony? Ugh. Everyone's a crony for him. It's poor. I don't like it. End it. <laughs> and by the way, Duggan We're has... building up to George Washington Hogan, you know. Yeah, this is where the downfall begins, yeah. Quinn. Duggan has the highlights by now. Remember when he suddenly had highlights? He's very hip. <laughs> yeah. Very hip right now. Very hip. Very. <laughs> he's in a pop punk band. Yeah. Anyway, back to the ring where Earthquake just quickly does the earthquake and it's over. Good. Yes. And then he makes a big fuss and he stomps on a Hogan bracelet until Duggan charges out with his two by four. Wait, what? Yeah, Duggan grabs the mic and leads a Hogan chant. Seriously? How many cronies does this guy need to have? There's there's Duggan, there's Big Boss Man, there's fucking uh, Tugboat, tugboat, Beefcake. Beefcake. God. God. You know what? Dusty's a fan too, and like every single person is a Hulk Hogan crony except Macho Man, who absolutely detests him. Well, except, except one other guy, Quinn. You know, the the champion? Yeah, who is the champion right now? Uh, The Ultimate Warrior? Have they mentioned his name once other than, like, Rick Rude saying, like, fuck Ultimate Warrior? Once. That was it. And it was in a derogatory tone. Where's the warrior, like, speaking? Like, I know. Saying, like, I am the greatest all-time electricity is in my veins. I'm the greatest electrician. (laughs) Yeah, I'm the greatest electrician in wrestling and blah, blah, blah. Like, he doesn't get any time in this whole show. This is their main fucking show. Yes. Not one mention of the Ultimate Warrior. Very telling. Uh, we now get a promo for the WWF. You know, go see it live. Yeah, as they show clips of the Warrior, but don't say his name. <laughs> Are they joking over here? It's really very, very obvious looking back. Yeah. That although they gave him the belt at WrestleMania six, and I'm not saying that Hogan wasn't still their biggest star. I really understand that. It was doomed to fail because they still had Hogan. Right, because they That's were never why. gonna they were never gonna give up on the dream of no, Hulk Hogan. Because they still had him. If they didn't right. have him right. and they would have had to get the machine completely behind Warrior, it might have been a different story. True. But they had Hogan, so they pushed Hogan. I right. get it, but it's very obvious looking back, you know? Yeah. Kind of sad actually. It, no, it's very sad. To Sean Mooney now, who agrees, you know, go see the WWF live and by the fucking way, go to the Boston Garden on Saturday the fourteenth. We get a promo from Akeem and Slick on Hercules, and Slick, of course, is great as always. He's like, Mighty Hercules, we're home. Too bad. This isn't the Olympics. Muscles will do you no good. And then Mooney, the awesome African set to meet the Mighty One. And this is why you make fun of him. Yep, because of that. (laughs) God. It's it's aggravating. You know, it was fun when we would look back and be like, oh, remember Mooney and his silly puns and blah, blah, blah. But then, like, when you have to review, like, so many things that Mooney does, you're just like, 
Fuck, shut up. Stop with the wordplay. Yeah, the, en- yeah. En- enough already. And that cadence. The, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's the cadence, too. Yeah, you we're, know? we're very in the yeah. era. Anyway, promo from Brutus Beefcake now. He mentions, Quinn, that he's going to win the IC title this time. He won't. No, he won't. Oh, mm. and fuck Bobby Heenan. Right. And as Beefcake talks, we get a very unnecessary close-up. Mooney then makes more horrible puns. He's really <laughs> unbearable in this episode. It just won't fucking stop. I know. Well, Mr. Perfect is one customer of Brutus the Barber Beefcake. The barber always leaves a chair open for. Oh, and also don't forget, Haku, Hillbilly Jim at the Garden Coin. That's a hottie. Hot. Hot. Back to Vince and Jesse, who run down next week's action. Got the big boss man. Mm-hmm. Demolition. Mm-hmm. Brother Love with Nikolai Volkov. Oh, that should be very thrilling. <laughs> And the Macho King. And this makes me upset that I missed this. I know. Like, the next week, you know him and Sher are going to be fucking insane oh in the ring. God. They're going to kick all kinds of ass. I love when they're on superstars. Oh, my God. When they're on superstars, they make... First of all, it's like a grand entrance. Yep. Second of all, like, Macho Man just kicks utter ass. Like, it's like some of the best squashing you will see. Right, right. Like, he will just not let this guy do anything. He'll, like, jump on him and all this shit. Absolutely. Jump all, the match will be inside and outside the ring. Yep. Sherry will get some kicks in. Yep. It's so entertaining. They're, like, so much better than everybody. You know what the great thing is, too, is, is Superstars for a period of time really is, like, Macho Man's show because... The champion, whether it's Hogan or Warrior, they obviously they, don't put the champion they, on. They a lot. ever show up, right. so Macho King is, is. It's like he's the biggest star of the show. Yeah, he's the best person on it. Like him and Dusty might as well be the A program for superstars it's specifically. True. You yeah. know, during this period of time, they're but, actually on the damn show. <laughs> it's real. Yeah, it's real. Anyway, we're gonna also have more updates on Hogan next week. Right. And that's it. Uh, hey, uneventful Quinn. Very uneventful, but very harmless episode. And like we said, this is that very weird transition period. Between the end of the golden era and whatever the hell the summer of 90 and beyond was until 92, it was fine. Yeah, standard Superstars Fair and very 1990 very is my 90. final word on this. It was good to see um, the Ted DiBiase vignette. Right. That was funny. Mm-hmm. Very good to see Team 1983. Team 90. Oh, yeah. I forgot about them. That was a highlight. Very, very excellent. And obviously, Earthquake and Jimmy Hart are so nice getting Hogan flowers and this, stuff. Just the nicest guys, really. But, but you know what? My biggest takeaway is something that you hit upon. No real mention of the warrior. It's very sad. Other than Rick Rude's going to be fighting him. And as if we haven't seen that before. Right. You know what? No one cares. It just looks like they didn't care. And I guess they didn't. And again, I know why. But folks, that I think will do it for this episode this week. And it'll do it for May also. May the 31st be with you. Yes. May the 31st. We'll we'll, we'll do all the May things next May, I guess. Right. That's that's when. That's when. Next May. And you may, in the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You may email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. You may join the group. And I just want to mention one more time, if you want to get all the extra stuff, I'm talking the 1983 canon and the pay-per-view reviews, patreon.com slash podcast. The highest tier is five bucks a month. But thank you guys so much for being with us here. We are happy to do this for you. We will do it again next month in June for 226. But until that time, I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. And well, boss man, here I am on the very football field where you supposedly played ball. And look who's here standing with me, your old high school football coach, Coach Patton. Now tell me, Coach Patton, did the big boss man play football here? Well, Mr. DiBiase, if you want to call it that, he was on the team. 
He was on the team. Well, let me ask you this then. You know, football's a game of a great deal of coordination. You got to be real fleet of foot. How coordinated was the big boss man? Coordinated. He couldn't walk and chew chewing gum at the same time. <laughs> I used to think he had lace on his panties. <laughs> lace on his panties. I like that. Well, tell me this then, coach. You know, football's a hitting game. You got to be tough. You got to get in there. You got to hit, 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 hit. You got it. Right. What kind of hitter was the boss man? The boss man. He couldn't crack an egg, Mr. DiBiase. I <laughs> couldn't crack an egg. Well, if he couldn't crack an egg and he wasn't a hitter, what position did he play? What was he, a guard? Yeah, he was a guard. He guarded the water bucket and watched the cheerleaders. <laughs> you see, boss man, I've proved it one more time. You're a complete and total hick from a hick school in a hick town in a hick county. And you, boss man, just like all the other hicks in this county, have got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs>